Yo, 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 Kev, what up, man? It's your boy Ashby the Ghost checking in, saying love is love, telling y'all people to make sure y'all check out the Living Let Live podcast. My boy Kevin's holding it down as he always does, but the Living Let Live podcast, they talk about all kind of issues, life shit, real shit, weekly shit. So tune in, man. Make sure you check them out. My guy Kev gets it in. The Living Let Live podcast. Ghost Soldier So LOXD Block. No, yeah. it is your boy Jaden Kiss. Check it out. Hey, yo, Living, man. We met at AI Hall of Fame ceremony. You know, we was chopping it up, kicking it. It's a beautiful thing. Big congratulations. Y'all make sure y'all go out and check it out. Living. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy Gator from Day One FX. Logging in to show the homie Kevin some love. What it do? How you doing, big dog? I had to log in to show you some love, bro. Had to. That's what I do, bro. Tapped in with you, making sure you're doing well and magnificent, man. Most importantly, thanks for watching the show, Dave. Yeah, season two on the way. But let's get back to business, homie. Kevin got a podcast out, man. It's called the Live and Let Live Podcast. He's doing his thing. The Live and Let Live Podcast. Make sure y'all tap in. Be blazing. Talking about all type of topics, man. He's tapped into the current event. Pass all that, bro. Make sure you just tap in with my boy. Support him. He a good dude. Yeah, it's your boy Gator. GD forever. Keep grinding, homie. Go hard to homeless. So once again, living. Shout out to you from your brother. Kiss. Keep banging. Keep banging. Keep banging. <laughs> yeah. Like to welcome y'all with the introduction, the first episode of the Live and Let Live podcast. I go by the name of Living. I want to thank all of y'all for being around. Uh, this is the first episode of the Live and Let Live podcast. It's brought to you by Die Hard Philly. That's at Die Hard Philly on Instagram. I want to give a special thanks to Styles P, Jada Kiss, and Gator for that intro, and my homie B Rad G for making that beat. Let's go. But this is my first episode, so I had to have my wife up here. Um, we're gonna do a shot real quick, just you know, to bless it. So let's make this happen. Salute. <sighs> Alright, so at the moment, there's no co-host. Maybe we'll change that, maybe we won't. If I'm trashed by myself, I'm sure we will. <laughs> but this podcast is gonna be about everything. I might talk about the NBA returning, I might talk about whatever, different topics each week. But today, for the first episode, we're going to speak on the state of the country. Now, I was hoping to release this podcast in September, but, you know, due to all the shit going on in the world right now, I thought it was best to speed it up. So, you know, forgive me if I'm not ready to do this. I'm I'm trying my best, man. I'm not great with the sound and all that crap yet. And I really don't know how to use the board yet, but we're going to make it happen. Um... So, yeah, this episode is just going to be about the state of the country, the racial divide we have, political divide we have, and the lack of empathy that this country is just going through. So, I do want to be clear. My goal is not to argue with anybody at the moment, man. That's not, I'm, this, this ain't about that. I just want to ask questions and actually listen to the answers. I think a major part of this problem is that people are talking, but they can't listen and talk at the same time. So we're going to have a few guests on today from all walks of life. And please understand, the goal is not to be confrontational. I need y'all to understand that. It is not to be confrontational. I want to ask questions and actually listen to the answer. And just so you know how transparent I am, I want to let you know exactly how I feel. So I made this song back in uh, 2016 
and not a goddamn thing has changed in this country. Um, and the reason I'm going to play it really quick, just so you know how I feel, and like I said, I want to be transparent. I don't want to let nobody know. You know, I don't want you to think I'm on one side or the other. I want you to know where I'm at. So I fully support BLM, and this is uh, my song, BLM Serving Life, produced by Detail. Your kind should be locked up in the baby boy. If you want to know something, we are. Can't say that we not locked up. You go outside, these caps might hit your block up. Fucking move, man. Remember, move, man. Let's rise up and finally start the revolution. Blam. That's the sound of a dead cop. We should kill one of those every time a body drop. Right? Now that don't make sense. Cause the part that y'all forgot is that we live up in the trench. With a wild, wild west protected by these gunslingers. But sometimes they really fuck up and kill. And we? I mean, they fucking kill. God damn it. I got black friends with little sons. And they got no clue what to tell them. So they asking me for guidance. And all I tell them is that the whole world's violent. Not all cops crooked, but still central booking. It's filled up with dark-skinned men who were looking like a suspect. Come on, what's next? Till we take a deeper look inside, we can't protect ourselves, let alone our seeds. I'm quite sure that more mothers gonna grieve. They bleed every day. Hands up, don't shoot. Then blah, blah, blah. Another member of the group. Castillo, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, Aragona. The list goes on and on and on and on. So, finally coming to the crossroads. I think every single soul need to pay a toll. Civil war's coming. Fuck what y'all think. Racist Trump, push a button. He could kill us in a blink. Shit. Ain't no way that we can stop that Itchy trigger figure cops with the glass cocked back It's not black versus white It's more bad versus good It's more rich versus poor The suburbs versus the hood It's the people that can't understand The feeling that you get when the gun in the cop's hand You scared and you trying But they think that you're lying You ain't even gotta move And them bullets starts flying Shit nowadays even cops crying I'm on every single one in Dallas dying Cause I want everyone to make it home I want all of our kids to get grown But for real, it's up to us to go and show them Cause if not, one day soon, they'll all get told I know something, your kind Should be locked up in the baby boy If you wanna know something We are <laughs> Yeah, like I said, that was my track, BLM um, I never put that song out on an album because I felt like a piece of shit if I tried to make a penny off that. Um, so, man, that, that that song still affects me, man. It hurts my soul. Like I said, Detail produced it. Um, and with that said, I want to give a rest in peace to George Floyd. Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Philando Castillo, Emmett Till. Emmett Till, this has been fucking 70 years, y'all. Like, what the fuck? So, I want to have a moment of silence for them. And then we can finally have this discussion that I think America needs to fucking hear. So, please take these next moments 
Say a prayer for the country or the future or the kids or whatever, man. Say a prayer for yourself because if the world is going to change, it's got to do it now. So bow your heads. All right. Now we're going to have many guests today. And I feel we need to speak on the state of the world, Corona and BLM, COVID and George Floyd. So today's guests are from all walks of life. We got a black football coach who has to talk to his kids about George Floyd. We got Christina Krasinowski who launched her company just days before COVID hit. We got James who's a Donald Trump supporter and as much as we might not agree with each other, we have to listen to each other's side. We got Jay, the owner of Art History, a store in the heart of the Mayfair section of Philly. You know that place where all Philly fans go and we're lucky enough to get that win. You know, who supports BLM, but he also had to board up his store because of the riots. And we got Eric Krause, a white man, but he's a father to four black kids. Two of them are men. Do they listen to him? Do they respect his opinions? And I'd like to say something about this perceived white privilege. Ain't nothing perceived about it. With the killing of Rashard Brooks at Wendy's, this man just fell asleep at a drive-thru. The cops were then called by a Wendy's employee. And that led to a murder. There was absolutely zero reason for that man to die. Yeah, he had a taser. But the police officer who murdered Rashard Brooks knew it was a taser because it was taken from them. It's not like they were unsure if Rashard had a gun because they knew that what was in Mr. Brooks' hand was a police taser. They fucking knew it. They didn't shoot him in the leg to get him to stop. They murdered this man by putting two gunshot wounds to his back. That is murder. And my point of this, my point of comparing white privilege is this. I can't sleep. If you know me, you know I can't sleep. I'm up all night. I have insomnia. So sometimes around 3 a.m., fuck it. Jump in the car. Go to Wendy's. Go to McDonald's, wherever, whatever's open, Taco Bell. I order some shit, I park up, put on my podcast I listen to, I, you know, put on some music, and sometimes I fall asleep. Britt found me a few times sleeping in my friggin' car, a couple blocks from the house, you know, belly full, tired, whatever. But not one time, not never one time, has McDonald's, Taco Bell, Wendy's none of them ever called the police station on me for falling asleep in my car not one time and that my friends in a nutshell is what white privilege is it's the little things that us white people don't notice that we get the benefit of the doubt and people of color don't but these are the questions we have to ask and address because if we want change, these are the questions that we need to ask. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our first guest, uh, Barry White. He is a football coach, um, inner city football coach, 
Uh, B, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do? Because, you know, I know everything about you, man. We've been boys for so long, and the work you do, I applaud. But can you please explain to everybody else who doesn't know you what you do? Yeah, um, I'm the president of Oxford Social Awareness Youth Organization. I am also a coach and a mentor for the youth in my city. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I Not only do I coach kids for football, I coach kids for life, and I try to be a life mentor to prepare them for what's to be expected moving forward outside of football. And and you know what? That That's actually what we need because when you watch all these ESPN, like, 30 for 30s and docs with the AAU coaches, a lot of people just look at these kids as meal tickets. And you've coached or your league has coached or – you're involved with players that have been drafted in the first round of the NFL. We don't need to say no names. You can say them if you want to. But your, your league, your your development, your movement of what you do has helped save lives. Like, you've helped get these kids out of Philly. So, are you when, when you do it and you have a, a player who, who's drafted, and I, I know that has to be an incredible feeling, um, do you – want them out of Philly to save their lives possibly, or do you want them in Philly to make the same impact that you and your comrades are making? Well, for us, the goal is to always, you know, get out of your environment. Um, you know, being, being from Philly, even if I wasn't directly impacting, I was around guys who are directly impacting guys that get drafted to the NFL. Um, we had people from our organization, people from our, our league that played in the NFL. Um, and even if I wasn't, you know, with them directly, I know people who were directly impacting them. And I reach out to them all the time and we talk about things of that nature. How is it? How is the process? What is the end goal? Listen, the end goal is to get out of your environment. However, we also wish that kids can come back and give back and host camps and have mentors and mentor the kids the way, you know, some of me and my peers has mentored them. So, yeah, we want to get out of Philly. We want to get out of the environment, environment, but we don't want to forget where we came from. We want them to stay grounded. We want them to be able to help other teenagers and other college kids get out of the same environment. But, yeah, Philly's rough, man. If it was my advice, I would definitely say get out of Philly. If my kid, Guy Willen, when he comes up, he plays sports. If he has the opportunity, if the law gives him the opportunity playing Division One or Division Two football, whatever it is, I want my kid to be away from Philly. I want him out of the city. I want him to go somewhere where he can experience life and, you know, not be judged about, you know, being an inner city kid, if that makes sense. Oh, it, it, it does make perfect sense. Now, is that why you've, I mean, you've brought hundreds of kids, hundreds of inner city Philly kids to Florida for nationals. And you know me, right. I, I rock, I've always rocked with you. So like, sure. even when you come down here and your games are two hours away, I'm I'm the boy there with the Oxford Raiders hat on and youth football league. I don't care how hot it is, I'm out there supporting it because these kids do need to know that even across the country, they have people that care about them. Because a lot of times right. in their own households, it might not seem like that. Even though you know all parents love their kids, but you know as a child, it's hard to see the things you, your own parents do for you. Like my pop kept the lights on. My pops paid the bills, but he wasn't the lovey-dovey type. So I think personally that's where you come in. And you you told me, not that you're lovey-dovey, but you give that emotional support that's needed. And you told me that some of your kids don't have fathers. So, like, do they 
talk to you about how to handle police officers if they get pulled over or stopped. They're like, Coach B, what do I do? Nobody ever told me what to do. Like, do they do that or no? Yeah, I mean, they they do it, but they didn't. They never because they haven't started driving. I mean, the ones that do start driving, the college kids, <clears throat> they pretty much know because we talked about it before. But it's funny that you bring it up because I experienced it. Um, I got pulled over. I had a couple of my kids in the car and my son, uh, and I got stopped. And they stopped me for no reason, and I almost forgot that I was black. And, and what I mean by that is, when you're black. You're taught that when you get pulled over by the cop, especially if you have tinder windows, you roll down your windows, you put your hands on the steering wheel, and you ask the officer, how can I help you today? That's what we're taught growing up. And is that what you tell so, them? Is that your advice for them? That's, that's absolutely still my advice. However, I was questioning the cop because I was like, why you stop me? Why you pull me over? Why you? And the cops start getting scared. They're nervous. They're scared of us. They don't know how to deal with us. They're not mm-hmm. from my neighborhood. And they got to get aggressive. And I had to hold. I had to double back and say, okay, I'm sorry. You know, how can I help you, the officer? Blah, blah, blah. But my kids was like, Coach B, they stopped me for nothing. I had to tell them. I had to reiterate. Listen, when you get stopped by a cop, put your hands on the steering wheel. Make sure your hands are visible. <laughs> and ask them, how can I help you? Now, see. And when they ask you. And then not to interrupt you, um, I kind of do the same thing even when I get pulled over. I got pulled over the other day. Um, right. And instead of me putting my hands on the wheel, I roll down the window and I keep my hands outside of the car, like with my, my fingers fully spread. Like, right. hey, officer, how can I help you? And now, listen, I got pulled over and I did exactly what they accused me of. Right. This car right. was going way too slow in front of me and I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> now, right. um, we just left my house. Um, and I had to go to the bathroom, but we were also trying to catch the nifty 50s truck <laughs> because they, right. they don't be down here in Florida. So we saw one. I sped the cop, pulled me over. Right. I said, officer, right. I'm sorry. Like, if you had to give me a ticket, please. But I have to go to the bathroom. I, I pulled over in front of my brother's house who lives two blocks from me. I said, can I please just go to the bathroom, please, please, please. And he was like, yeah. So he let me run in, go to the bathroom. I come back out and he goes. I'm not going to give you a ticket because I've been having bathroom problems lately and I know how that feels. He said, but I, right. re- I remember I pulled you over for speeding because they have cops in my development that the HOA brings in. He goes, right. I remember I pulled you over for the same thing about a year ago. I said, you did. You're right. Not lying. This, uh, you did do that this time. I had to go to the bathroom. But I would have never got that. Like privilege, I don't think. Right. If, if I was you, yeah. Like my man, let me Absolutely get out of the car, not. get out of the car, run in the house, and Absolutely. come out. I could have came out with an eight K, like. Or you could have put the eight K <laughs> in the house. No that, way. That's no what way. I'm saying. He let me do that, so I. And I want to be clear. Yeah. I want to be clear. Like we all, we always say. First of all, uh, someone who, um, she helped raise me, and which is um. Officer Phyllis Young, which is a good friend of ours. Yes, Thomas Phyllis Young. Young. Yeah. Phyllis Young is she, one of the best, best, best people in Philadelphia, one of the hardest working police athletically. She does it all. This woman raised the king, Thomas Young. Um, man, me and him had a great time in New Orleans for the Eagles game. But she, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, speak she, on her because she needs, she needs some flowers. No, yeah, and I tell her all the time, she knows it. I mean, I grew up in a pile for those you don't know, it's the police athletic league is uh, cops helping kids. I was raised in that league. It saved me growing up in Kensington. I would have died if I didn't, if I wasn't there every day. 
or I would have been locked up. And I tell her that all the time. I text her all the time just to remind her that she kept me out of trouble. So I feel like to say, I know a lot of, a lot of great cops. I really do. But what you experienced right there, no way in the world that would have that never happened if it was me. It would never let me, you know, that's the experience like we talk about, white privilege. Yo, and, and, and it's great and, that you understand that. Well, a lot of people don't understand what white privilege is. Like, a lot of white people, because I had the conversation with them, and I'll, I'll be like, hey, listen, the oh, white privilege doesn't exist. And I'm like, it exists. It's not so much privilege. It is the baseline of how you should be treated. We get yeah. that, and other people don't. So we're not privileged per se, but we get the rights that everybody's supposed to get, and a lot of people don't get them. Like there, right. there's no way we, that should we came up with the term white privilege. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, and me and you've talked about this before. You see the amount of times, like if me and you were out and something pops off, they never looked. Yo, uh, Barry, what happened? It's always, uh, excuse me, white white man, what happened? And I, all, right. I'm always the one that has to say it, and they always believe me over everybody else, and it's it's fucked right. up. But you know, the only way we can move past it, like I'm saying, is to have conversations like this. So. With all well, yeah, it, it's true, and I don't, I don't want to. Again, I don't want to uh, get off topic, but I just want to give you a quote that I seen the other day, and I want, I want people to hear this. I watched um, Michael T. Matters on Netflix. Are you familiar? I am not. Okay, he's a comedian. He's a good, good comedian. Check it out when you get a chance. But one of his lines, he says, "We can't even get Black Lives Matter. Not, not matters more than yours. Just mm-hmm. matter." You know, we, we, we asked for, when we had to fight for equal rights, you know, we got civil rights. You follow what I'm saying? It's just civil. And that, but, that was my point, that our baseline isn't privilege. It's what you're supposed to get under the Constitution, right, like and you, you don't get it. And that's why it looks like it's privilege, when it really isn't. It's just basic humanity and decency. And, right. you know, and, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and say all cops are bad like you. I know great cops, too. It's... And I honestly might not think people are intentionally racist. I just think it's been embedded in their brains for so long from, you know, when you look at videos from the civil rights back in the day, they don't never show the good protests. They show the fire hoses. They show right. the dogs biting people, the police batons, the riding king. They show that. They, they don't show the peaceful one. The, the news don't make money off peace. Like, the country no, makes cool. money off war. And but we're, again, we're at war with ourselves right now, and it's heartbreaking because, like, you've had players that were murdered, what, as young as, like, 15? Like, how do you explain that to your players? Like, they're 15-year-old kids, and they got to and, you know, they, you know, and they're, like, sitting on their steps and porch, and bullets just start flying over dumb stuff. Like, I remember growing right. up, B, there was a code, man. If if you didn't if you didn't bang with certain things, there was a code. There was not on no Scarface, no women, no kids. But it was like, yo, you don't do nothing in, near school. You don't do yeah. nothing with civilians, and and it, it just got real weird and goofy out here. Like, the, and it was like the OGs didn't teach the younger generation how to do anything. Like so. If they didn't teach them how to listen, if you're going to be into a life of certain things, you have there's still rules for that you have to do, and it just seems like people stop caring, and it leads to innocent murders for no reason of civilians, and you know, you know, it's just a terrible situation, man. But how do you explain that to your players? Like, yo, you can't sit on your own steps. Like, well, like, like what well, do you say to them? Well, 
Well, I don't want to sound, you know, corny, but it's been going on for so long that my players don't even think, they think it's normal and it's sad. And I had to explain to them that it's not normal. Like, I think in 2020 at Philadelphia, I can't even imagine how many women, or I can't remember the exact number, how many women's children were shot this year, but I, I do know it's more than like any other year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just try to tell them to stay ground, to stay positive, mind your business, stay out of the way, stay out of trouble, don't go to this place, don't go to that place. But, you know, they don't, it's affecting us. So I feel like for black men and black young boys, we will keep saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, until we drive ourselves into depression. And to, yeah. be, and to be honest with you, though, um, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from from any African American plate. I think it's like that for a lot of men because I'm I'm dealing with that myself. Like I've yeah. pushed everything down for so long, and yeah, and now that yeah, it's starting I mean, it's to true, explode. Yeah, I mean it's it's and I, look, I go to therapy now. My wife said, "Listen, you got to talk to somebody," and it helps, man. So anybody out there, get your mental health in check. Um, I think in the right. future we'll, we'll do a mental health episode. Well, but, well. Yeah, we all we all need that. Like I'm not, uh, I've been having anxiety myself, just with life, not so much with everything that's going on. Even though it does affect me, but it affects me more with having young, you know, kids. Yeah. Um, that that's boys, and also me wanting to be successful so you know so much that it's affecting me as far as I'm having anxiety. I noticed that myself, so I decided that I want to go see a therapy, a therapist. So with that being said. I'm not a therapist, but I try to talk to my kids. When I mean my kids, I mean all my football players and just see what's going on in their life. You know, so some of them do have fathers. Some of them have fathers incarcerated. Some of them have, some of them have fathers that's in their life. That's great. Yeah. You know, um, I can tell you since I've been an adult, I've probably seen the most fatherhood I've ever seen in my life. I think you would agree. And I mean from all reasons. Like I we, will say every we, football game that I've come to yours, I have seen an abundance of parents out there supporting their kids. Yeah, and, absolutely. I have great parents. No, I, you I, do. I, I can be honest. And, I have great parents. I can't sit here and take all the credit and say, oh, no, no, you no. know, without some yeah, no, things, I mean, things wouldn't happen. And I have great fathers. I have great fathers. I have great all, Remember, all my coaches are men, right? Yeah. So I have great fathers. Um, but it, it really – takes a village, but we're, we're getting away from that. But to say, to answer your question, I, you know, I talk to my kids, but again, some of my kids are immune to it, man. It's messed up, and it really is. But they might have lost their father to gun violence, his brother to gun violence, they, you know, their father might be incarcerated uh, because of gun violence. So when people die, even their close friends, like, they hurt, but it's just like, they think it's normal, and it's not normal. I want to keep reiterating to them that it's not normal. I want to say I Not lost home. my first friend at 13, and I think I finally got numb to it when Quiz Quiz got killed. Um, right. That that was my final. What the, the fuck, quiz, man? man? Yeah, Maybach, rest in peace, man. We miss you every day. Like, right. we, like it. I, that was that was the one where I was just like him. This boy only the the quiz I knew he only tried to do positive things, right? Like, and you know I think that's when I got numbed. Now you're telling me you have all these players, right? And you know you have white players, black players, Latino players, Rican players. Right. Oh, you, you have a mixture, man. Like it's a melting pot. Right. 
Do you feel though, as since you are a black father with two young black athletes and you both coach, do you feel you need to support the black kids just a little bit more than the white players due to the police brutality? Like, do you feel you can't be? Do you feel you need to be harder on them to toughen them up? Or do you feel like, damn, man, nobody has ever shown these kids compassion. The school system looks at them like they'll never be nothing. Some police officers look at them like they'll never be nothing. So do you look at them like, dog, you can be something, but we got to toughen you up? Or do you say, dog, you can be something and I'm here for you with compassion? Like, how do you how do you balance that? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is, and this is even myself growing up, and I don't want nobody to be offended by this, but I have to sometimes teach my kids how to talk, how to act. You know, black men are masculine, period, but black kids from the inner city are, like, masculine times, too. Is that fair to say? Like, they believe that they got to be hard and tough all, all the, the time. All the time. All the time. So I have to talk to them about that because, what I, from what I experienced, the white kids, and I'm not saying all of them, they're more mild-mannered, they're more chill, if that makes sense. Like, they're more, well, they're more soft-spoken. That's the word I'm looking for. And, and they're white. You follow me? So right. They, they're going to get passes um, that the black kid is not going to get, just naturally, just because the way the, you know, the country is. So I just try to teach my kids that, um, you know, just to be polite or nice to people. Like, I'll give you an example. We are taught growing up in the neighborhood. Not all of us. We have some great grandmoms that were great. Like, my grandma was great. My parents were great. But I'm just giving you an example. Oh, yeah. I'm I, I remember your mom. I remember your mom, not to cut you short, but... I used to work at a deli, everybody, for my listeners. Uh, it was a half block from my house, and my fat, lazy ass would drive there every day. Right. I, I used to work there and run a deli. And that's – I remember Barry's mom used to come in, and she was the most respectful. Yo, next person. Like, hey, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Like the most respectful, nice person. And you need parents like that to raise kings like you. So Yeah, so, yeah. so what happens is – most of our kids get it from their parents, but then they adapt to the environment, right? The neighborhood, right? Yeah. So, with that being said, you know, I've had, you said white players, that's just like, oh, how you doing, Coach B? You need help, Coach B? They just, they're just nice kids. I'm just being honest. They just are, right? Yeah. And, you know, we are, we're taken back by strangers, black people. You follow me? It's just like, why are you looking at me? Right, because we think you're looking at me in a funny way, and you might not be. Yeah, but just even when we I were. moved to Florida, people would look at me and say hi, and I'd be like, "What the fuck is you looking at?" Like it, it's, yeah, I, I it's, think it's it, the environment. It, yeah. I, I think that is, that is a uh, maybe classism might be the word. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, but it's, I think it's, it's, it's deeper it's a for Philly black thing, people. First of all, yeah, I, I do it's think a it's thing. deeper if you're black. Yeah, it's a Philly thing. It's it's a it's a neighborhood thing. But I'll give you an example. With that being said, someone had just told me this. They were in Mayfair walking their dog, and they were white. The white guy told me that. Okay. And three black kids were walking by, and they were staring at him, probably thinking that he's going to do something to them. That's just naturally what they think, right? Probably just looking but at he, the dog. <laughs> just looking at the dog, right? But Excuse he me. was kind of like, hello. And the kids were like, what? He was like, hey, how you doing today? And he said the kids was like, just keep moving along, old man. What's your problem? And he said, my problem is, I'm saying how you know today, you won't speak back. Right? 
And that's in a nutshell, just goes to tell you that our mindset is, why are we this way? Maybe we this way because of Tyler Wright. Maybe we this way because of Trayvon Martin or Rashad Brooks or Eric Gardner or, you know, Philando Castro. Maybe this is why we the way we are. But the guy, is what I'm saying, didn't mean no harm. He didn't want no trouble. He was just trying to say hi. And and, and it's tough on both sides because he doesn't understand why saying hi could be threatening to a young black youth because, like he said, yo, why are you saying hi? Next thing you know, uh, another neighbor sees that. Oh, my God, there's three black kids, and they're they're talking to the white guy. So, listen, it gets and, better. Yeah. It gets better. I remember I told you it was in the Taconi area, right? Okay. All of the white guys playing softball, and their girlfriend stopped and turned around and said, is there a problem? <laughs> And the white guy said, it's not a problem. We're just talking. You follow me? But yeah, but you see how, how quick that could have led to a George Floyd incident or a Rashard Brooks yes, incident. Absolutely. Like, and absolutely. that's what people don't understand. Whereas I can get out of the car, run in the house, go to the bathroom and come out like, phew, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. But let me ask you this question, guys. Could I, could I drive and speed up in your neighborhood right now with no cop around and just run in your house? What would happen? In my in, in my neighborhood, like where I live now, or in Philly? Yeah, where you live now? If you ran up in my say say one more time. Right now, if I drove through your neighborhood in a Camaro SS and I was speed, boom, I pulled up and I jumped out and ran to your house. What do you think the neighbors would think? Um, well, see, that's tough. My neighbors are very diverse. I will say that. Okay. So my next door neighbor is um he's a black gentleman, but he's like Caribbean black. Um, his son, okay. his son actually just got a track scholarship to. Uh, oh yeah, track kid, track kid, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The Texas A and M. Um, I forget the subsidiary. Um, across the street, I have, um, you know, an interracial couple next so to you're a diverse basketball okay, coach. So yeah, yeah. So, my, my block, my block, maybe not, but other blocks. Oh, there's some Karens out here in friggin' Florida. Like I'm. Understood. Like I'm surprised. Okay. Like um, I don't know if you listen to the, and I'll give him a plug for no reason. The Do Say uh Do Say podcast. Memphis Bleak lives a couple blocks from my house. Like, like the the dude who, okay. who started in that Outer Bank show is from the school around the corner, like the high school. His family still lives right over. Oh, wow. here. Um, uh, great show. Yeah, wow. Kirk Cousins' dad is the pastor at the church. Five blocks from oh, the wow. house. Yeah, like <laughs> the, my neighborhood is. I mean, I'm not rich. It's nothing like that. I live check to check like everybody else. Um, I just realized that my money that I was getting in Philly, by the time I invested in schools for my kids, I could buy a house here for. I bought my house for two fifty. I put you know whatever eighty down or something, but for that same two fifty, like my two fifty got me four bedrooms, a loft. Backyard, a, a huge ass thirty six hundred square foot house. But in Philly, for that same price, you get a row home. Now, luckily, my value increased a hundred G's since I moved here five years ago. Um, it's actually today is the five year anniversary of me leaving Philly. Um, nice, but Congrats. yeah, but thank you, man. Uh, you know, I, I miss I miss my sports teams, my games, my friends, but. Um, you know, it was for the kids and their education here is priceless. Like it's, it's some of the best schools. So I, I, but that's what sucks, man. I wish more people like, I know you, I know you could sell your house and move here in a second, but 
you have a responsibility to, the, to these kids now. As much as I know you would love to leave, it, it would. I don't. I don't think you ever will, because I think you need to be there. Because well, it's funny. I do, but I, I'm playing. I, I have things in place. Other degree guys, other great men. Like I said, it's not just me. I have a bunch of mentors, and me. You know, me and my family are looking to move to. You know, but I'll tell you this, and, and you might think it's funny, but I'm gonna tell you with everything that's going on, because I've, I've been I've been buying black, buying black, buying black. Um, I want to move somewhere where black people that are successful. Not gonna lie, you know what I mean. Like I can, again, we I talked about you. this a couple weeks ago. You know me. I, when I I grew up in a crazy neighborhood, so the first chance, a little bit of money I got, we moved where suburbs where the white people was at, and yeah, with the grass and green. They hated this area. Yo. Yeah, it, it, it took me. It took me about three years to get used to this, and I'm still not that used to it. Yeah, no, I want to move. I mean, I'm just giving. I'm just. I'm just tell you some of the areas we're looking at. We look at ATL. I want to be in the, in, the, in the suburbs of Georgia. Don't get me wrong, but I want to be around black successful people. Like if it was in Philly, Kev, you know Philly, it would be Mount Airy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. I mean, That's where I'm at, opposed to going to the Northeast Red Line Road. Yeah, State Atlanta, Road. Atlanta is actually a beautiful space, and it is thriving. Um, but, I mean, like, even down here, I think you would do great. I, listen, B, you're going to do great no matter where you go, and that's the only type of people I'm interviewing right. today. So, right. with, all that, with, with all that said, last question. You do so much for inner city kids you do so much for your own kids you've you've done so much for so many people you've reached out like you you've done a lot what what would you like and i hate asking this question but like i know you don't do it for the fame or recognition or anything because you're not going to get any um you know maybe one day one of your players wins a championship they're on stage and be like yo coach b and that's going to be the moment of your life like your your professional moment, obviously personal moments where your kids get married or your grandchildren or you know stuff like that is going to be better. But what what do you want your legacy to be? Not only as a football coach, but as a black man. Um, as a football coach, I want to have a. I know this sounds crazy, and I want to be clear. Yes, we lost people to gun violence. Yes, I've seen people go through a lot of things that, you know, I've been around. But I'm talking about kids that I directly coached, meaning I'm the president, so I have a, a million kids. But I'm talking about kids that I directly coached, that you came to their national championship game. Um, but they were like 10 years old. They're now 15. They're going to sophomores in high school. I want to have a 100% rate of them graduating and going to college. That's my first goal. That's my first legacy, whatever you want to call it. Well, I want a hundred percent of them graduating, or a hundred percent graduating school. and going to college. And going to college, did they finish? Obviously, you know, I want them to finish. But what I'm basically saying is, I don't want, I don't want to get that phone call where the kid that was my running back that got killed. Does that make sense? Like yeah. that was directly my guy, my quarterback that I need to call to. Right? I want to have a hundred percent rate of them graduating high school and going to college. And I'm on par. I'm on par. They're doing good at school. Like every last one of them. Okay. So that, now, do you get tutors and stuff for them? Like if they ever come to you, like, "Hey, coach, I'm 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 slipping. Can you please help me? Have players come?" Yeah, to you yeah, like absolutely. That? So we sell, so we so we sell tutors. What we do is, um, if Malachi is really good at reading, then Malachi helps his, his, you know, his parent with reading, right? And if just so everybody really knows, good, hold on, Malachi is uh, Barry's son. Yeah. If another kid, I, 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 
tell you a perfect example. Shout out to my uh, my young and Brian Cherry. Brian Cherry Jr. is Malakai's friend. He goes to Norman Garetti High School with Malakai. His dad is a cop, Brian uh, Cherry Sr. Shout out to him. He's a great guy. He, Malakai was going to math finals the other day, and Brian is really good at math. And he called Brian like, yo, I don't, I don't understand it. Because, you know, everybody's doing homeschool, right? Right. And Brian said, you need to do this, 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 and that, and you'll be good. Malachi passed the final 33 out of 33. This is what it's about, right? We're self-tutoring. We're teaching each other. You know, that's how we That's how we do that. Of course, I tutor if I can, but we rely on each other. You know what I mean? So as a, as a football coach, that's my legacy. My legacy is to graduate kids from high school, even though I have them in youth, well, graduate them in high school. By the way, one of the other things, that's a lot of different goals as a football coach. My kids are diverse and they go to a lot of different schools. Example, I have kids that go to Newman, West Catholic, um, LaSalle College High School. Anybody would know that's probably one of the best, if not top three schools in our city. Um, LaSalle College High School. They go to Northeast. They go to Emotech. They go to Father Judge. They go to Archbishop Wood. They're everywhere. They're in the Catholic League. They're in the Suburban League. They're in Interact. They're everywhere. So we strive up there. We get a we get Haverford High School, which is 32000 a year. They come to our practices, talk to our kids, offer them scholarships. That's my legacy. So that's my goal. You're setting up not only coaching these kids for the field, you're coaching them for tutoring, for life, for education, for everything else. And being- Absolutely. I'm just not a youth ball coach. I, you know, I've won championships. Like every year, right? Yeah, I know, but you ain't out. But, you ain't out here praising it like some people do. You do it my, behind the I scenes, the and that's, that's why I want absolutely. I, my praise is the kid that's going to LaSalle College High School, which is about twenty six thousand a year, and his scholarship is twenty two thousand of that. Four thousand divided by eleven months. I think that's feasible for almost anybody. But you know what? That's my praise. The the fucked up part is it might not be, and. I would hate to see a kid not able to get an education over $4,000 because you know people spend $4,000 a year on sneaks, man. Like, Yeah, that's true. That's true. I wish we had more scholarship programs. Um, and, B, I'll tell you what. You start a scholarship program, I'll throw up, I'll, I'll throw up a first $100 to get it in. I know it's not much, but we all, if everybody right. chips in $100, we can all do it together. So, yeah. um, B, I want to no, tell you. I appreciate you, that. No, nah, man, listen, you know I love you. From the depths of my soul, man, I, I appreciate what you're out here doing for the youth. I wish we had more young. I don't care, white, black, whatever. We need more people like you to speak directly to the youth, to speak directly to everybody. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on here. Um, is there anything you want to say before we go? No, I just want to, you know, I want to appreciate you, you know, for doing this podcast. And you just got to keep pushing it forward, man. Uh, you know, again, as a black man, as a young man who has a family just like you do, I've seen you do a lot of positive things, and you just got to keep pushing forward. Because at the end of the day, somebody always told me, there's no book on life. There's no book on how to adapt to life. You just got to keep pushing. I know I'm evolving every day. I'm a guy who's you know, successful, successful as far as education, but I still went back to school. Still going back to school to get my BSN. Um so yeah, you, you, gotta you have actually forward. like what three degrees? I think two or three. Yeah, well, two technically, but I mean, this will be you know this will be three. Okay. Yeah, and, but see, and 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 I was always told positive things happen to positive thinkers, right? But the messed up right. part is with the way the world is now, man, with COVID 
and homeschooling and you can't go social and it's hard to stay positive man it really really is so hopefully, no, hopefully this podcast and conversations like this and you, you want to sound funny cuz hell yeah i took quarantine and covid as a chance to turn that negative into a positive which is when i got back in school which is when i was able to take my stimulus check and pay off what i owe tuition to my other school so they can release my degree, which then enabled me to be able to enroll into a new university and get a scholarship. So we can turn this into a positive, right? Everybody don't come out of this worse if you turn it to Like, my son's at home every day. Dude, study, do something, turn it into a positive. So we all can turn a negative into a positive. It just starts with our mindset. Exactly. So again, I appreciate you for having me, you know, anytime. Like I said, just keep pushing it forward. All right, I will, man. Thank you for joining me, um, everybody. Let's let's give it up for Barry White's, man. Thank thank you for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon, brother. Love you, man. Appreciate it. Stay safe. Love you too, bro. All right, peace, homie. All right. So that was Barry White, um, the Oxford Raiders, um, president, um, you know, a Pee Wee football team in Philadelphia, who he's responsible for hundreds of young children, white, black, Spanish, all mixed. Um, but he's out there every day, even, even in this, he's out there holding workouts and masks, keeping kids separated, doing everything he can. So that was a really good talk. And, um, let's get to our next guest. Hey, so we have our first guest, uh, Christine Wisanowski on the phone. Um, Mm -hmm. and Christine, uh, it's great to have you here. Um, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, so I know this podcast is new, but the point of it is to just express everybody's views from everybody's state of the, you know, state of view or point of view. So can you just please tell me a little about yourself for the listeners who don't know you? Sure. Um, my name is Christine Krizanowski. I am co-founder and CMO of Play Lab Inc. I have been in the marketing and business development business for about 18 years now. Well, 15 to 18 years now. Um, I got started uh, in my career. I worked at um, Ralph Lauren Global in marketing for menswear uh, in New York City, uh, specialized in Asia, uh, went through some economic times during that time and uh, moved on to starting my own uh, small agency at the time. Okay. And uh, in New York, uh, not by choice, I did not wake up and say, oh, let me be an entrepreneur. I definitely did not start out that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I it understand. Started out more, yeah. I've been fi- I've been, started out I'm going to read between the lines. I've been fired a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got fired, actually, because they wanted us to move to Japan, my team, uh, and I did not want to move. Yeah. So yeah. they let me go, right? Uh, so that's how it started, um, but it turned out to be very good for me, and I've had great clients throughout the years. I've worked um, heavily in the sports and entertainment industry uh, from dealing with Rock Nation um, earlier on. So, uh, so basically, to- not to cut you off, to all of my mm-hmm. podcast listeners, this woman is a leader for women. For women. She is a business person who knows oh, what you. she's talking about. Yo, you're welcome. She knows what she's mm-hmm. talking about. And that's why I needed her opinions and I wanted her as the first guest because I want to look at this from every angle. So I want to look at this from first a, a new business owner because um, and first of all, I apologize if I pronounce your name wrong. Um, I, I, no, I don't think I did, but if I did, I am sorry. Um, so you, you just started this company, Play Labs, um, and that's yeah. P-L-L-A-Y. 
uh, yep. everybody go download the app on Android. Uh, you know, uh, Apple. It's Apple. I'm sorry, Apple. 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 Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll edit that. <laughs> um, we will. We will be an Android soon, but because of Corona, Google's been slow on approving new apps. Yeah, uh, and Google you know what's crazy? Mm-hmm. I got my podcast approved on Google and everywhere else except Apple, and it sounds like you're backwards. Ugh. Yeah, we're we're a little backwards. Um, but okay. no, it's um, well, it's a. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I want you to explain before I get into my five questions because I know you're a busy woman. Like you guys don't understand. We have an interview time that we're already over because we had a conversation before. So I'm sorry to to, to rush because I would I would talk to you for hours. Um, please explain exactly what your company does, your new company, because I think it's a phenomenal idea. And I knew nothing about this until you know you started getting involved and you educated me on it. So let's educate other people of what your company right now does. So Play was founded, uh, it is a mobile app, but at its core, it is a data platform. Uh, we developed a mobile companion app, which allows gamers, the casual gamer, casual meaning the guy, some of the women like to play too, but majority men who like to play Call of Duty, Madden, NBA 2K. All the games and I'm terrible at. <laughs> yeah, they want, and they want to bet, right? So uh, for real money. Oh, so, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Either... You can bet? Yeah. You wow. Groundbreaking, people. Groundbreaking. I'm yeah. sorry. So a lot of people <laughs> already do it. Yeah, so a lot of people already do it, right? You have wow. guys on chat rooms betting their friends $20 on Madden, 2K, sometimes even higher. You know, you have your pro athletes always during camps and, you know, traveling. They're always playing each other for a high dollar amount. But you don't have to play for a high dollar amount. You can play bet your friend for five bucks. But the hmm. point of the matter is you will 100% get paid because we hold the money. So a lot of people, when you pay, pay your friend, you don't get paid out. You don't get that cash app. You don't, they don't pay you back. Yeah. Uh, so we allow you to go onto the app. And as long as you have a PlayStation or an Xbox, you just put in your gamer tag. And you can go find an open match to somebody you don't know. Uh, so you can go find maybe a Fortnite match for ten bucks, or um, hmm. you know, an NBA two K match for twenty five bucks. So I it mean, doesn't it, it doesn't bucks. have to be your friend. It can just no. be anybody who, um, like, if if I'm lonely and I, I like I don't really play games, so I don't really have friends that I could play online with. I can go to your mm-hmm. place and I'll play actual other people, not computers. Like I don't yeah. have to worry that the computer is going to cheat and beat no, me. it's an actual other people. Wow. And we have it in a chat box, so you don't have to change numbers. You can message them like, yo, you ready to play? You can see online matches right now. Uh, you never have to speak to them. We, before the game starts, we escrow the funds, meaning you have to set up your play wallet, just like anything else, like a, your PayPal like, like wallet, a, the, right? The fan, fan, what, uh, FanDuel. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So okay. you have to move your money in there, just like all the other companies. And uh, you move your money in there, and then it's a Five dollars. We pull five dollars. We pull five dollars from the opponent. There's ten dollars in the pot. You guys play. Whoever wins wins. Now the catch is we've um, created uh, artificial intelligence technology, hmm. which now can verify who won without human interaction. So you know you have your rage people, quitters, people who are like pissed. Yeah. So they'll try to like unplug Me. their console, Me. quit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. with that, our AI can actually tell based off your gaming tag and your Twitch stream, because one person has to stream it, who did that. And therefore, we will award the person who, even if they were losing, you know, the, the rage quitter will not win. 
that we hold the money, hmm. right? Uh, so there's, you know, that's so new you technology. Can't, you, you can't quit because then you'll lose your money, right? Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. there will start a lot of people bitching about games online. Oh, you quit because eh? I have friends. That yeah, so we, we, we solved it. a lot of pain points. But it's dope. Like, we're making it uh, not just an app to do that, but eventually we're going to have brands plus your favorite athletes. And, no, 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 you know, no, 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 Christine, Christine, let me stop you. Do not give away your intellectual property. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is open for the, this is, no, this is open for the public. All right. Okay. Right? So, All right. Because I'm like, yeah, uh, I don't want nobody stealing this great idea from you because you deserve yeah. it. Because Yeah. No, know. it's, um, but we already patented it. Okay. So okay. it'd be pretty, pretty hard to well, do that. Well, no, I, I meant the upcoming stuff. stuff because, you know. Oh, yeah, I mean? no, that stuff people already know because, you know, we've already done stuff with Travis Scott. Well, so we did stuff with NBA Slam. So this is something that we're already doing. Okay, so you right started now. the company that, I mean, you worked on this for, what, two, three years? Um, and you launched right before COVID hit. And I think it was, yeah. like you said, at Travis Scott at the Astro World Carnival. Um, how did that affect your company? Because, like, are people playing more because they're home, or is it less of a thing? Because you don't have a baseline um, to judge it on. So Yeah. Actually, the gaming business, uh, the video gaming business, has done more revenue in the United States than the NFL, the NBA, and um, MLB combined. Right. What? So all of their but revenue. But you mean revenue right years. now? Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean. Re no, this is revenue pre-COVID. Okay. For the okay. past five years. Okay. Wow. Five years. Wow. They've already surpassed NFL games, ticket sales, merch, everything. Okay. Uh, it's a huge industry. So for us, COVID just opened up more players because now more people between ages of 35 to 45 are playing a lot more in settings. Um, our <sighs> demo is mainly 18 to 35. Okay. Uh, as far as more people playing, uh, yeah, definitely because of COVID, uh, it, it's been it's been more beneficial to us. So you're, COVID, you're getting higher returns now than you initially inspect, uh, expected because of COVID. Yes. Okay. Yes, but our, our returns even pre-COVID were very high. COVID was more of the icing on the cake. It was not the cake. Hmm. Does that make any sense? It makes, like, it makes so, perfect sense because, like, that's yeah. why I asked you because you didn't have a baseline. Like, it's not like you were out for two months before COVID hit. So, yeah, it, it's that's why I'm saying, and that's why I wanted to speak to you. It just must be hard to garner the range of your 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 expected earnings if you don't know initially what you earned originally because you didn't you weren't set up before COVID. So I, I understand mm -hmm. what you're saying, but I, wow, I'm I'm. I'm blown away by you, man. I mean, you you do so much. Um, you're 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 just an inspiration. Like I got, I got two daughters who are five and seven, and I, I hope they grow up to have your ambition that I don't have. Like I, I really hope that when I see women like you doing her thing, it it, mm -hmm. it makes me happy. And you know, it definitely is not the faint for faint of heart. And this is this is what I tell a lot of people, right? It, you know, like you you know, I've been working on this for a little bit over three years now. Um, I think there's a big difference between the people who talk about it and the people who actually do it and stick with well, it. My, right. my favorite Joe Budden quote is there's three type of people in this world. We either going to make shit happen, watch shit happen, or not know what happened. And you're mm -hmm. making it happen. <laughs> so as, um, so you're a mother and I know it must be so hard, um, you know, just having this business that you're putting all your, time into and being a mother and i know you have a strong family 
you know, I, I see all the time pictures of your mom and, you know, he's he loves golf and stuff like that. And I think that's super cool. But when he he's triracial and I'm not going to I don't need to put the races out. It, I'm just saying, yeah, uh, he's triracial. So what when you replied like the way your heart wants to over BLM, do you feel like you have to fall back and can't say what you want to say about what's going on in the world? Because now you do have this company and you have a reputation and a name that you don't want to get sullied. Like, so do you feel like you can't say what you want to say? Because I, I would feel as the mother of someone who this affects, even though it might not affect you as much. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? Like, is it hard that you can't say what you want to say because of your great new company? Like, are you worried that you'll um, lose people? Well, or something? no. So this, this is, this is where we as a company, my co-founder is a black man. Ding, uh, ding, so ding. we, yes. So <laughs> we are actually a black and minority woman, Asian, <laughs> black-owned company at its core, which is big news for a lot of people because uh, I've never heard that business. before. Yeah, that's yeah. that's impressive. It's, it's very rare. Uh, we've raised over four million dollars in capital, which is also very rare uh, for people who look like us. Uh, and this is again people who believe, and that's four million, like in the bank. Uh, you know, so this is a legitimate big company we are building. We did make a statement. We did not go overboard with our statement because a lot of people, the general public, get very caught up on a company needs to stand and and state their stance on where on where they stand, right? Which personally, right. I think is a point of bullshit. <laughs> well, because I you look at companies. Like uh, Nike, right? Who are donating a hundred million dollars and love and come out with these heartfelt string commercials? When they, and, when they know, didn't blah, do blah, that blah. shit a month ago, like let's keep it real, they didn't do it a month ago. You know, in the history of Nike, <laughs> yeah. there's never Republicans buy sneakers too. Yeah, not... <laughs> no, but there's never, no, there's never been a black C-suite executive in the history of Nike. So never. hold on, hold on. Since Phil Knight, since Phil Knight made all no, of these monies never. off African-Americans, not once has he put one into no. a position of power? No. They get them so far to, like, senior vice president. That's yeah. as far as you can go. Yeah, they only put you so far before they pull your leash back. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So, like, so, so my, my company made a statement, and, you know, my company's not anywhere near yours. It's, you know, this new live films that we're, we're bringing off the ground, mm -hmm. a new movie coming soon, hopefully. Um, but so I felt I had to make it. And when you're saying you didn't go over the top, I might have, but I mean, my statement was basically, I don't support racism. I don't support anything. You know, I've been rocking with BLM and I'll sacrifice my company if I could save one life. And I, I know, I, I know I went overboard, but, and I love the fact that you're telling me that, you know, um, you did it and you had someone else of color in your, your building to, you know, do it right. Cause a lot of people, we like, don't talk like, about it. We, we be about it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. the big difference with our company, right? Like not only that, if you look at our staff, you look at the companies that we hire to work with us. You look at our board of directors, right? We are predominantly people of color. Not saying everybody's black, right? Yeah, but no, no. There's co there's, colors there's all different. Amount. Colors all different. Yeah, yeah. Colors all different, right? And you know, people have been asking me even this morning, what do I think about Starbucks saying no, you cannot wear a Black Lives Matter T-shirt? I 100% support Starbucks on that, and people are a little appalled. And I'm like, look, they are private companies. These are not publicly owned companies. You as a citizen have the right to choose to go to that establishment 
or not. There are people, okay, who might be all for it, but you do create a divide. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's people who don't want to see that every single day, and that is okay. And I'm learning okay. there are people like that because um, I'm getting so much hate on, on my social media. But they're media. not necessarily racist. I'll be honest with you. There are some things, and I don't care if I cause black or I, I dare for people to come for me. Because let me tell you, I probably yeah. get a lot more for the BLM movement than half of these people screaming on social media. Yeah. Okay? So I've been supporting, not just supporting when some tragedy happens, but been supporting because I do have a black son. Right? Yeah. So I, I dare for people to come for me. Yeah. But... What and and that's is, why I wanted to talk to you because I know a couple things about you. Like, and I'm going to be real to the listeners. We are very good social media friends. We had a very mm -hmm. good conversation before this started. I can tell from this great conversation we had before the podcast. Like, that's why we have to cut this, you know, sh as shorter than I would like because I know she's a busy woman and we were talking about life and other things before. So the reason I needed to talk to you is because I know what you do. I see it all mm -hmm. the time. And you're not doing it, oh, George Floyd's dead, now let's do it. No, we were doing it four years ago. We was doing it mm -hmm. 10 years ago. And I think it's so hard for people to understand that, like, no, me and you are not black, right? We're not. Mm -hmm. That don't mean we can't have compassion and empathy and understand. <clears throat> like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, this is, you know, this is a, this is, this yeah, is, this I is mean, shitty times. This is, this, you know, and everyone's like, oh, you know, stop supporting Chick-fil-A and home people. Yeah, but if see, this is the case, this is the case. We are not been a democratic country, right? You can't tell somebody, okay, now someone's like a racist and like murdering people, like the George Floyd. I mean, that's there's yeah. no words for that, right? And police brutality towards black people, and just police brutality, period, is fucking disgusting in this country and needs to be completely changed, right? Yes. But as far as telling private companies, we don't answer to the public. And I make that very clear to everybody, right? Like, I don't answer to you guys. You guys didn't put in the work to do this. I employ people, right? I make a safe place for people to work, to be creative. For people of color. I want to repeat that again for color. the listeners. For people of color. Now, yeah. some and people might think people that's racist because, oh, you're only hiring minorities? No, she's giving them a chance. She's not hiring them yeah. because they're minorities. She's hiring them because they deserve the chance that friggin' Bob would get. That's why yeah. she's doing this. And 100%. So, like, and this is what the, I tell people, though. I'm sorry, go ahead. You know, they're just like, oh, but boycott Home Depot and Chick-fil-A. And we had, I had this conversation last night with my friends. And it's like, why you tell people something so stupid? Yeah. Why do you tell people don't go shopping because they donate to the Republican Party? So what? Do you think the founders of Home Depot, if you don't go to their store in New York, they're going to shut that shit down. And guess who's going to suffer? Not them. They nope. already got their generational. It's going to be your friend's parents, the college kids who rely on good health benefits and a job at that local store who are going to suffer because they're going to shut that shit down and, and they're going to take that business to a different city and employ those people. Yeah, but not so, only you know, that, if Home Depot were to shut right. down, everybody will go to Lowe's and the Lowe's can just jack the price up because there's no competition. There's so exactly. many different angles. But you this. hurt the people that they employ. Right, everyone's like, you know, fuck Target, fuck Lowe's, fuck Home Depot, you know, da da da. Yeah, that's cool. I like chicken sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sorry, like you know, I get it. If you, and, and, and again, I can go to somebody else and turn around to somebody else. They could be Asian, Black, Hispanic, whatever they want to be. Okay, and it'll be like, well, guess what? Oh, well, your grandmother went to 
a lesbian rally. So I'm not going to go and solicit their shoe business because that's what we're doing. So if y'all want to go and be like, let's not support this business because they're donating to Trump. Let's stop wearing Geese by Dre then, huh? Because Dr. Dre was already committed and, you know, of beating the hell out. He's a woman beater. I mean, that's not a... D-Barnes, public information. Public information that doesn't get talked about. D-Barnes. They left that out of that uh, Straight Outta Compton movie, too. Yeah. If you want to you wanna boil the ocean, boil the whole ocean. And that's what I have a problem with a lot of people. A lot of people be a hypocrite, right? They're like, oh, well, I you need to do this because it's supporting mine. No, no, if you're going to do that, let's go. Back. Stop using your iPhone. Why don't you stop using Google? Don't use your Apple thing, right? You want to talk about all the sexual harassment lawsuits that are going on all these big companies? No, if you're going to stick your money where your mouth is, type of people, if you want to stop soliciting certain people because they donate to certain funds, Let's look at your checkbook and see where you've been donating and tell people they don't have to fuck with you because you're donating to places that I don't agree with, right? And people get real caught up in the emotion and they don't think rationally. And, yeah, the and only because a lot of people are the small people. Yeah, well, and I'm sorry to cut you off. A lot of people, yeah. a lot of these companies donate to both parties. <laughs> like they're yeah, they're playing 100%. the odds, they're wedging their bets, and so yeah. listen. I thought cap kneeling. I honestly thought cap kneeling was a phenomenal thing. Um, however, my thoughts on this are: he didn't kneel when he was the starting quarterback. He waited till he was a backup. So okay, you know, you're trying to get attention or whatever. But I, I don't think he did that. I honestly think in his heart it was for police brutality. But mm-hmm. I also think that. NFL owners have the right not to hire him because of it. Like, you made a choice, you made a choice, and your choice is going to have consequences. And like you said, Chick-fil-A made a choice, and their choice is going to have consequences, whether people go or not. But Uh it's not going to change anything. Like, like But this is my issue. So many people who are upset now and raging, if you look at their voting record, it's slim to none. Yeah. Right. They're not voting on the only, local only level. for president. Yeah. Only for president. You're not voting on the local level. You're not, you know, and it's like, that's why a lot of times when people are running their mouth on social media and posting all these like hashtags, I can't take you guys serious and don't show me a receipt that you just sent. Yeah. Show me receipt. Send $5 for... to the George Floyd Memorial Fund. I'm yeah. Broke. But even if, you know, <laughs> show me the receipt. What have you been doing? You want to be in an uproar now? What have you been doing well, consistently to change the narrative? Right? I'm, I'm going to tell you what you've been doing. Here's what you've been doing. You've actually been changing the world. You have been. Thank and you. I don't think, guys, this is a minority woman who started her own company, raised $4 million. If that's not inspiring to every girl dad out there that their daughters could do that, like, I can't do that. She did this. She's not only a minority, she is a woman. She's doubly fucked. So I don't I don't want True. anybody to to, you know, oh now I'm not going to play because she said she said check fine. That's not what she said. She said you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Listen. So your company I People think, don't listen. No, they don't. And you can't talk and listen at the same time. And I'm learning that I talk a lot and <laughs> I'm not listening. Um so <laughs> That's why I, I'm I'm trying to do this. Like we got a Trump supporter coming on later. We got black football coaches. Like we're doing all of this, and it sounds like 
I'm trying, I'm trying to change myself. I'm trying to make a change in the world. Like, but so, okay, your company is thriving right now. And I'm going to get you out of here with this question. So based on what you told me that your company is actually better off with COVID because people can't really leave the house. So mm -hmm. what are you worried about the increase in your profits going down after this? Or do you think people are going to no. be so hooked that they're going to keep coming back? People, people, what, what we're doing is people, this is already a behavior that's been going on for years. We're just very similar to FanDuel. Fantasy sports was being done in office pools eight years ago in their friends and basements. And it's the same thing, right? It's just taking a behavior and rolling it up into a safe space right. and a fun place where people can go. So it does not affect us either way. It just makes us better. So do you right? think Even your if business... COVID goes away, it, doesn't, it won't affect us. Okay, so do you think your business is um, not thriving because of COVID? But do you think when, you know, this is over, obviously people are going to be hooked. Like, I'm about to go play the games, and I'm terrible at them, but I'll throw five, ten bucks away just to try it. You know, I did it with FanDuel. I'm terrible. Mm -hmm. I'm oh, terrible. Remember, yeah. remember like, we're Florida. I can't let you play in Florida. <laughs> yo, and I had a question about that. And, guys, um, just so you know, there's, uh, I think, four states that um, this company, for whatever reason, won't launch in. But my question was, I have a Philadelphia phone number. How the hell did they know I was in Florida? <laughs> but um, Your phone. Wow. So we geofence your phone. So if yeah. I go on vacation, I can't play against somebody. Uh, if you go on vacation and you are in a legal state, yes, you can. Oh, no, I'm saying if um if if I lived in Philly and came to Florida, oh, you can. Huh. It goes by your geolocation, not your your phone number. No, no, and that's what I'm saying. So if my geolocation, I live in Philly, and mm -hmm. I go to Disney World. I can't play mm -hmm. while I'm in Disney World because the geo. No, you cannot. It will call, it will it'll just stop you. Even if you have a membership, it'll say, "Hey, sorry, you're in Florida. You have to go back to Philly." Okay, so or you have to go back to a clean state. I want all the listeners to listen to this. Not only does she have to deal with being a minority woman and a woman, she has to deal with states not allowing her business to thrive, and she got past it. Mm -hmm. And like like. When I tell you you're so impressive to me, you are, and I just want to thank you. But I have one last question, and I'm just to sure. add on to the last one. What if you have a VPN on your phone, like a the virtual private network? For those who don't know, that like um, makes it look like you're in Atlanta. Oh, people, people try that. You people think those things work. They don't. When you have a very high tech security system like ours, we can. Um, we can um, we can weed those out there within okay. a, a nanosecond. Okay, yeah, and that's yeah. why I was asking because I'm trying to find ways to get everybody in them four states to play. But if you can't do it, don't risk her company. Wait till these states wake up and let her thrive because she yeah, is it thriving. Yeah, it should be very soon. It should be very soon. Um, I mean, where, they uh, have nothing else to do now. They're all in the house. Change some laws, people. I know. <laughs> but Christ exactly. Yeah, Christine, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because. You have no idea what this conversation meant to me. Um, I want to wish you success in everything you do. And oh, thank I, I don't, you. Listen, I don't even have to wish it to you because you're going to get it, girl. Like, you are absolutely a star. You're phenomenal. Like, I see my daughters. I'm looking at them right now, and I'm like, wow, I hope they can do what you do when they grow oh, up. Oh, thank you. No, thank they you. They will. They'll be very So you keep pushing them. They'll be, you know, they find their purpose. That's why I would even instill in my son is it's not just about your education, but it's, it's it's finding your purpose, you know, because we're all here for our purpose, right? And, and, and yeah. that's, 
our job as parents to help our kids figure out what is their purpose in life. And I think when they figure out what their purpose is, then they'll find out what their career is. And I, I only hope, like, with them, um, as, as a parent to a parent, if, I can't control what my kids are going to do. I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done growing up. Um, yeah, a lot of us did. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm saying, like, um, and I don't, I don't want to put this. Don't beat yourself up. I, no, no, no. I don't want to put this out into the world. I'm not. I do not want this. I'm just using it as an example, people. Mm-hmm. If my daughters choose to be strippers, I want them to be the best strippers. I want them to be the best at whatever they pick. I can't control what Better they pick. You know, mm-hmm. like I just want them to be the best that they can be because I, in my life, I haven't been the best I could be. So. I, I, that's what I hope. And when I see you, I think I, I'm going to say you're the best you can be. And you're going to tell me, nah, I can get better and you will get better. Uh-huh. And I'm going to see you at the tops of that Forbes list real soon. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right. Look, Don't you forget it. No, nah, I won't. Thank you for calling in, Christine. Uh, we love you. You're, you're always welcome on the love show. And too. thank you so much. Okay. Be great. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. Bye, Kev. That was a... Uh, Man, that that was a great conversation for me. Um, so I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I needed that conversation. Um, so because of the phone interview setup of this podcast, I had to record the Trump supporter yesterday. But I have a structure of the order I want this in. Um, last night, for anybody who was on, you know, live and and saw how I was acting, it. <sighs> It broke my heart. Um, It broke my heart how I talked to my best friend. It broke my heart how I spoke to my wife. Um, It broke my heart on many levels. People will not understand. Um, I have major anxiety issues, so it's been really hard to breathe since last night. She just calmed me down because we need more people like that. Um, I don't know if this podcast is going to come out after last night, Um, but... If it does, if it doesn't, I'm at least going to put that clip out because she's an inspiration and I can't thank her enough. So look, uh, let's just get to the next guest. So my next guest is James. Uh, I'm not going to give his last name. He's a Trump supporter and he is against these riots. And as I said, we just all need to listen to each other. So even though some listeners might not agree with James perspective, it's just important to hear it. So, James, can you please tell me about your upbringing and why you feel how you feel, please? Hey, uh, well, first, appreciate you having me on. I completely agree with you. Um, oh, no so problem, I was born, no and raised, born and raised in Atlanta. Uh, you know, wow. very, very cultural area. Yeah, and now live in Alabama. The fact that you were raised uh, in Atlanta brings up more questions because that's, um, you know, I've been to Atlanta many times. That's just predominantly oh, yeah. black area so why 100 yeah why do you rock with trump like that then man i just don't see it the way the way others see it i don't i don't see it as as you know he's against black people uh i really don't um you never heard that before he was running for president and you know i'm not gonna lie i'm not like i i will tell the truth i did vote for trump i voted for trump because i hated hillary and i honestly thought trump would have been thrown out after three months and we would have got hillary for eight (laughs) so i was like all right well i gotta pick the lesser of two pieces of shit so i I went with trump i'm not gonna lie i will not lie ever 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 and and you know there's you won't see it on the news but 
he, he's done a ton of things. I mean, well, I mean, back in the day, he used to hang out with Tupac. Like, I got Tupac well, sure, t- tattooed on my arm. Like, <laughs> so I he, he used to hang out with Sharpton at at, uh, at boxing matches. I mean, it, it, now there's just tons of. But here's a name to drop for your listeners. Look up Lynn Patton. Lynn Patton. Who is Lynn Patton? Why don't you explain it, that to me? It's a it's a lady that before Trump was president, black lady. She has a she worked for the Trumps personally. Gives her own insight on the Trump family. Okay. You know, I'm on Wikipedia just, right now. Lynn Marie Martine Patton, born 1973, was designated by in June 2017 by President Trump to head Region Two of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, which oversees New York and Jersey. Okay. There's a well, there's see, a good I, video she did called The Trump Family I Know. Okay. And like I said, I, and to me, like I, I can only speak on me. I don't think most people that are racist know they're racist. I just don't think they understand. I, I think they see things differently, but I don't think they intentionally see things differently. I just think people are stupid and can't understand. But that's me, and I'm not calling you stupid, so don't take it like that. I'm talking about, you know, people that... You know, the Fox News people <laughs> like, you know, that, that paint the picture so far to one side. Now, CNN does it, too. They paint the picture so far to the other side. And I just wish we had a friggin news station that could go right in the middle, which is what I'm trying to do. So let me ask you my first question. All right. Can you explain what all lives matter means to you and what black lives matter means to you? Um, I think all lives matter is kind of silly. To be perfectly honest, I agree black lives matter. Black lives matter equally as my life or any life. Um, now, when you, I agree with the sentiment black lives matter. I don't agree with the organization black lives matter. Um, and that'll get into kind of the Kaepernick stuff too. I, you know, I can, I can hold, I can hold a hand of someone kneeling against the flag but I'm not going to kneel with you, but I can understand your perspective of wanting to kneel. I get it. You know, just cause we don't disagree. We agree. Doesn't mean I'm a racist or you're anti-America type type attitude. Okay. So, so can you explain when you said you agree that black lives matter, but you don't agree with the movement of black lives matter? Because I think that is a major problem that people aren't understanding. Like, I don't understand how some people can say I support it, but I don't like it. So, uh, you know, someone who doesn't no, no. have your perspective, can you just please explain it to me? Like, because I feel sure. like I'm stupid. I just don't understand when people say all lives matter. To me, I, I just don't get it. So please explain for me, sir. I, I'm not saying I don't agree with the movement. I, I I don't agree with the with the James, we're having I don't know if you can hear me. We're having a little technical difficulties right now. Um I can hear you. Hold on, hold on. James, I can't hear you, brother. Um give me two seconds. I'm gonna call you Oh, you hear me now? You hear me now? Mike check, Mike I check. Can hear you. All right. Guys, I'm I'm sorry. Like I said, this podcast is new to me, man. I, I I'm not great with the equipment. I don't know what happened, but let me repeat my question if possible. Um, so, James, can you please explain the difference how you said you agree with Black Lives Matter, but you don't agree with the movement of Black Lives Matter? And once again, I apologize for the bad audio. I guess where where, where the disagreement would come in is just because 
it, it seems to me that if you don't support lockstep everything, that you're you're castigated to the side or or you're shunned. Um, like we're canceling Paw Patrol over Black Lives Matter. I mean, it, I mean, in all just, fairness, Paul, Paul Patrol is a whack ass show, man. I got a seven well, out of five. But not I watch that stupid ass shit. No, it shouldn't be canceled over that. I'm just saying it's a trash show. It should have been canceled <laughs> over something else. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, man. But you know, when you got a seven and a five year old, I've been home for 19 weeks fucking with these kids, and it's killing me. That's why uh, this podcast is my outlet. So yes, sir. When you tell me Paw Patrol, so, so, I got to watch that shit all day. I hate it. Cancel that shit. Cancel it, cancel it, cancel it. Bring back Sophia the first. <laughs> but uh, all right, I'm sorry. Go back to your point, dog. My, my, my main thing is, yes, black people have had injustices done to them in this country. However, America is the best country in the world, and it's continually trying to get better. But why do you think now, America is the best country in the world? And I'm not, and because we are, yeah. But I our mean, school systems failing. We're at a racial divide. Like, what makes us better than Canada? So like, why why are we at a racial divide? Well, like, and that's what we're, that's what we're trying to figure out. Because yeah. I think we're at a racial divide because of the president, and other people don't. That's why I'm just asking we the questions. Bro. We were at it before that. Though. Not like this, man. Not like this. It started in Obama. And well, okay, to you it did. Um, and like I said, this isn't confrontational at all. But here, here, so here's my thing: cops have been killing unarmed fucking black men for goddamn since Emmett. You know, I know the cops didn't kill Emmett Till, but I'm saying it's been going on for fucking ever. So sure. What makes it now? Now that people are just like, "Fuck you!" I've had enough of this dumb shit. Like, it, it, the only thing I can think of is that people hate the president. And I actually thought he had an easy path to re-election. I thought he was going to walk into it. But with these riots, I don't know no more. Like, you have so many well, people against him. And I thought he was just going to walk to a re-election because, I, I don't know, but we he got hit with corona and fucking, you know, uh, the riots all at once. And... I just don't see any president that could recover from that. It could be Obama, Kennedy. It doesn't matter. I just don't see any president that could recover from that. But, but, mm-hmm. but, but, but. Um, you we know, get to find out soon. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, we're going to find out. <laughs> and that's all we can do, man. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I just, I don't think it's just a, a now thing. It's been going on. I mean, we had the Dallas protests uh, during Obama. Uh, that is true. And, and, and here's my my perspective. I, I don't think we necessarily have a huge racial divide. What I think we have is a, is it, I mean, if you go, like I said, I'm from Atlanta. I live in Birmingham now. I, I've been arrested in Birmingham for being white. I've, I've been there. Which is shocking at. to me because I thought yeah. Birmingham, you know, Martin Luther King marches and fucking Selma or all that shit, I don't know, that happened there. I'm very surprised to hear you tell me you got arrested because you were white in Alabama. 100%. Because I've never 100%. met a black person from Alabama that had and internet. See, that's, the, that, <laughs> that's the thing. That, and that's, that's why that's I, I want your perspective so you can tell me because I'm uneducated. How you're uneducated in Black Lives Matter, I'm uneducated in your perspective. And that's why you're here, man. So you can and that's educate what people. Is, it, you watch a TV show that displays racism in America, probably depicting Alabama. 
Okay. You know, they're get- not depicting Philadelphia. But I go down, I, I take my son to basketball, basketball practice. The coach is black. One referee's black. One referee's white with a Trump hat. A guy on the team is Mexican married to a white, white guy with a, with a Trump, with a Trump hat and, and overalls. There's literally no racism in, in small town America. It's, it's the cities. It's the liberal white elite that are trying so hard to come off as not racist that they make excuses. They so, say black people are too stupid to get a, an ID. I mean, that's the most outrageous shit I've ever heard. All right, so here, here's why I disagree with you. Um, and like I said, not confrontational, just a disagreement. I uh-huh. actually, and a lot of people don't know, I'm a Republican. Um, and now the reason I am a Republican is, y'all might think it's fucking crazy, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I grew up in Philly. I grew up in Alney. I grew up in the hood. Like, I've had so many friends fucking murdered or arrested or all this other shit. Like, my best friend has always been black since babies. Like, I honestly only have a handful of white friends. And there's no reason why. It's just I didn't grow up around white people, if that, if that makes sense. And that's probably why I go so hard for BLM. But, um, so the reason I, I, I chose a Republican is because when you grow up in Philly in the hood, you would always see these Democratic posters all over Broad Street. Now, anybody who knows Philly knows Broad Street is the main hub. Like, it takes you from the hood to the good neighborhoods. From the hood to the good neighborhoods. Oh, that's a bar. (laughs) But um, you would never, ever, ever see Democrats anywhere except on Election Day. Exactly. Yeah, them other 364 days a year, I ain't see there one fucking time. They'd have posters on Election Day. They just wanted the votes. That's the truth. Yeah, and look, I respected the fact that Republicans did not lie to me. They told me straight up, living, we do not give a fuck about you poor people. We're not going to pretend we do. Now, to me, I got more respect for that than someone that tries to lie to me, which is, I guess, why I voted for Trump over Hillary, because Hillary fucking lied to me. Trump lies, but Trump's lies are more like the bull who brags in high school that he fucked a better chick when he didn't. Right. Like, her her lies are national security threats. Like, you know, um, she, she, I heard she lost her appeal today for them emails. She about to go to trial in September. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I'm not in the courtroom, but that's what I heard. So that's why I'm a Republican. But with that said, um, in past conversations, excuse me, um, you brought up Chicago and white on white crime. And I know you feel that's relevant to the racial climate in today's society. But do you realize when BLM supporters speak on BLM that that doesn't take away from any other race or culture? They're just saying black lives matter, too. Not exclusively. Do you understand that? Sure. Well, that was a one-word answer. <laughs> okay. I here's, here's my thing. If you look at statistics in the world, in, in the country, just go to last year, 1,040 people were shot by police. Right. How many of them were unarmed? Uh, so Okay. Just, so just, so to me, you, to me that is a just, trick question. To me, that's no, a no, trick question. No, no, just guess. Just just guess. Just guess for me. Hear uh, me out. 40%, 50%. Oh. 40 total. Okay, but here's my problem. You can be armed and not put your gun out, dog. 
You know how many times I've had my gun on me and haven't pulled it out? So if a cop shoots me, yeah, he was armed. But if the shit's in my pocket or on my hip or in my car, you can understand that perspective, right? Like I can understand that. Okay, okay. I can so understand. Look, like I said, but, not but, confrontational. As long as you understand. No, you're good. All right, cool. So you were against cap kneeling. But how do you feel about it now? Because all those peaceful protests ain't fucking work. And now some people think the rioting don't work. And I personally feel the rioting would work. I thought it did work. Breonna Taylor's case would have never been reopened if it wasn't for that. They would have never See, charged I, I that just... fucking pig cop in Minnesota. And I'm sorry for saying pig cop, but that shit breaks my fucking soul, man. They would have never charged him in three days if it wasn't for burning down the fucking world. So, I, once again... You, you may, I think he would have been charged. I don't know if it would have been in three days. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have been that fast. Now, I'm also on the flip side of it because I don't think two of those cops should have been charged with any of the crimes that Tal was charged with. He was well, on the job... Was, he was on the job four one day. days, one of them, and the other one was his third shift. You're going to do yep. what your fucking officer tells you to do. It's like the movie A Few Good Men. Like, you're going to do that. So, as yeah. fucked up as it was, and everybody can say, oh my God, I would have stopped it. Dog, there was people there that didn't stop it. Now, the reason they didn't stop it is because them pigs would have fucking put a bullet in their head. However... That is also the point. If the cops would have put a bullet in a citizen, fuck you would have thought they'd done to somebody they're training. <laughs> like, you know, they always say you don't cross that blue line, man. So am I supposed to believe? Because you heard the one cop say, yo, ease up. Hey, ease up. And now he charged with the same crime as them. To me, I do not think that's fair. However, yeah. what would you do? How, how would you handle it if you don't rock with the peaceful protest, but then you don't rock with the riots? Like I said, I can, I can disagree with, with your means, but I can support your reasoning for it. Yeah, but like, I can disagree. I can disagree with, with, with whoever wants to kneel. I can say, I don't think you should do it. I'm yeah. not going to, but my point is, but if, I can stand next. To you. If you didn't like the kneeling and you don't like the riots, do you have an explanation of how, on how you would fix it? And I think that's the main problem that BLM people have against ALM people. Y'all keep well, telling us we're wrong, but y'all haven't found, you haven't given us a solution. Like, I want to hear what your solution would be. Like, what have your people that you speak to about, what have they said to you? Like, have they ever given a solution or do they just complain that this ain't the way? Well, uh... And that, that's a tough one because I'm not going to get this this whole point out. Uh, I mean, what what's fixing it? That's the question. Well, right now, nothing. I mean, I, to me, I think the riots are fixing it. I thought Cat was trying. No, no, I mean, what 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 would be fixing it? Like what? zero people shot. I mean, what what? Yeah, but fixing look, it? let's be real. That's not going to happen. Like that's not going right. to happen. So my question right. to you is: once again, you just told me how not to fix the problem. Do you have, or any of your friends, have they told you one time how they would fix the problem? And, and, and that's really my main question for all Trump ALM supporters. Like, okay, I, I'll, I'll rock with you. I'll tell you, all right, I don't agree with you, but how do you fix the problem? Like, stop telling me and stop telling all of us that what we're doing is wrong if you can't come up with a solution. Maybe this solution isn't the best solution, but it's still a solution. And and, sure. and that's why I'm asking. So what would you do? 
Well, I think for one, instead of defunding police, we should fund police. We should have more community-oriented police. That you know, I could a, a guy I, from, I could not disagree from, with you more, but I want to hear your point. A guy from, uh, and I'm just using this because it seems to be a road that's often in the hood. MLK Boulevard is probably going to treat his route, his beat, a little better than a guy from, you know, over over the in the burbs. Right. Um, now, now so, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, obviously, somebody who was who was born in these neighborhoods is going to, you know be better equipped to handle people from the neighborhood but that's still like i don't control where these police get hired like no, if the cops no. knew the neighborhood like so to me that so your solution is when people become officers they should police their own neighborhood is that is that am i hearing you wrong is that what you're saying I, I'm not saying that's the solution. I'm saying it's, it's one of them. It's it. one of them. No, and right. I agree with you because, like, listen, man, <laughs> I grew up in the hood. I don't give a fuck about the white neighborhoods because I didn't grow up in the rich cities. Like, I used to rob the rich cities. So I understand. Like, I do understand what you're saying. Um, okay, so that that's one part of the solution. And you know what? I appreciate you giving me that aspect because, like I said, a lot of people ain't given that aspect, so I really appreciate you coming on here and being honest. Um, so I guess my next question, I only got two left. Um, did you notice the racial divide between your white and black friends? Like, do you have black friends? And, and if you did, how did that make you feel? And what message would you have for your black friends that are going through this? No, like I said, like where I live, not really. Um, not really you have black really. friends or not really there's been a racial divide no not really a racial I mean the last the last three times I've went out I was the only white guy there I mean yeah but I've we, done that we, my whole life yeah, <laughs> like I, well, I, I no, get I your get, point but I, I'm, I'm just I'm just and, asking and, like I said and I, I understand my, oh, I'm sorry my I friends and I we can talk like this you know I, I think here's here's how you fix a racial divide in my opinion yeah please explain once once you start having stop having double standards <laughs> like if i can't make a joke to my black friend that i make to my white friend that's a problem that joke's racist Bro, you know listen, what i mean listen 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 and like i said i'm not trying to be confrontational so please don't take it this way literally black people ask white people not to say one fucking word just one word that's sure. all they ask don't say one word why is that so hard don't say the n-word like so I, so when you're sitting here and, and i'm thinking that's the word you were speaking of and obviously you, you're not going to use no, it no that's not i, I would never telling me, no. yeah I, I don't think you would use it but you're talking about black people can do that and we can't do it and okay but that's one word like we enslaved no, these motherfuckers for 400 years i think you're you're uh, misunderstanding what I'm saying. Okay, that's not. And, and I wasn't I'm sorry if I'm misunderstanding you. I'm, I'm, I apologize. Can you yeah. please explain your point so that, that my lame like, ass can understand? <laughs> like that? No, that that's a word that should not be used under any circumstances, in my opinion. You know, if a black guy wants to say it, whatever. But you're, so, I, I, I wouldn't. So what were you I'm speaking of that. when you said jokes? Like that black guys can crack jokes, but white people can't. No, no, I'm I'm saying you we've got as a people to be able to be ourselves around anybody no matter what. Yeah, but you can still be yourselves and be respectful, right? Like 
you wouldn't want nobody to call you a racist ass redneck like and to me that that's my only point like i don't think you're a racist ass redneck and i don't think black people are the n-words like here's here's a prime example i'm ready we've got we've got to censor and be careful about anything that is said because you'll lose your whole life you use you'll lose your whole life cancel culture is fucked up Drew Brees, he wasn't really saying anything bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Hold he on, was. Stop really quick, saying, because what you just said fucked me up so much, I'm taking another shot, bro. Because the right. fact you said Drew Brees did nothing wrong, and, and, and I think that's the problem. People don't understand what he said was a thousand percent wrong. Maybe he was right in his message and i don't think he was but maybe he was right but the point is you don't fucking say it you just don't need to say it there was no reason to say it how is it going to help why how is it going to help we're trying to help the fucking world that shit didn't help all he did was uh, was piss off his black teammates and people all around the world and i will say this drew Brees' first apology was a fucking piece of shit let's keep it a hundred it was a piece of shit apology however his wife's apology, phenomenal. Did, did, did you hear the wife's apology? Yeah. Okay, so so what were your thoughts on that then? Now, see, now I'm giving so, you extra so questions. My point, <laughs> my point there is when we can start having our own feelings, our own thoughts, everything, and it can be okay when you don't have to apologize for it, like, so we, you don't we think say, you apologize when 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 you when you're wrong? Like I get what no, you're not, I get not, what you're saying. What I'm saying. Like that's this, Drew that's Drew Brees' belief. That's his background. Well, hold on. Let, he should, let, let he me shouldn't just, have to apologize like for I not said. wanting to disrespect the flag. I mean, that's him. Like right, I said, and, he and can it, stand side by side with somebody that wants to kneel. That's perfectly fine. But him personally, he's not gonna do it. Yeah, so but, but I have no problem with that. The problem is he had no reason to say it. It didn't help at all. But, but see, and I think that is where a lot of people, um, and I think that's the, the main divide because Drew didn't have to say it. And you're going to say, well, he had the right to say it. Yeah, I got the right to say whatever the fuck I want to say. That doesn't mean I should. I got the right to call my fucking wife a cunt. That doesn't mean I'm going to. Like, and I think that is the main divide right now. The, yes, you can say some shit and go, oh, you're right, but you don't have to say it. Can you give okay, me and one, I, one I positive point, thing, one positive mm-hmm. thing that came from Drew Brees saying that, please? The point I'm making is that once all these little things stop getting everybody labeled as the most racist piece of shit human in the world. We, hold on. We didn't call Drew Brees the most racist piece of shit. Oh, he, he, was, he was blasted all all the hell. He was blasted because he was wrong. And I'm going to read the wife's apology right now. Okay? Because I really want your opinion on this. And like I said, no confrontation. We're just having a discussion. I'm not trying to yell or argue. I'm from Philly. I speak aggressively. So I apologize if it comes off as me being a dickhead. That is not my intention ever. Um, her response was, all caps, we are the problem. I write this with tears in my eyes and hope you all hear our hearts. I have read these quotes in scriptures a thousand times and every time I read it, the words sink into my heart. 
I think, yes, this is what it's all about. Only until a few days until we experienced the recent death threats and experienced the hate did I realize that the words were speaking directly to us. How could anyone who knows us or had interactions with us or me and Drew think we have a racist bone in our body? But that's the whole point. Somehow we as white America can feel good about not being racist and feel good about loving each other and God loves us. And we can feel good about educating our children in the horrors of slavery and history. And we read our books to our children about MLK and Malcolm X and Hank Aaron, Barack Obama, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. And feel like we're doing our part for our children to love. To be unbiased with no prejudice. To teach them all about African Americans that have fought and risked their lives against racial injustice. Now, somehow, as white Americans, we feel that the checks of the box are doing the right thing. But not until this week did Drew and I realize that this is the problem. To say, quote, I don't agree with disrespecting the flag, unquote. I now understand that was also saying, I don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand what you're fighting for. And I'm not willing to hear you because of our preconceived notions of what the flag means to us. And that's the problem. We are not listening. White America is not hearing. We're not actively looking for uh, racial prejudice. We have heard stories from men and women and we, you know, we know their horror for years and all the racism that occurred in their lives, but those stories were you know, considered normal to all of our friends and anyone we hurt, I promise you, we will do better. We want to do better and we want to hear you and we will fight for you because thinking we are not part of the problem is checking the box and it means we're not doing enough. It is our jobs to educate ourselves and we are so sorry. That's from Brittany Breeze. So please speak on that because I don't understand how if the wife is, and to me, that's the best apology that I've heard from anybody. Because I really don't fuck with apologies. Like, it's fake. Like, so, 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 what are your thoughts on that? It's fake. So, it's fake apology. <laughs> so, you like the apology? No, it's fake. I'm saying it's fake. You think that's fake? I thought that was the yes. best apology ever. So, please, please expand on why you think it's fake, please. It's fake. I mean, they were pressured into it. His career's on the line. It's fake. You don't have to apologize for standing for the flag and the anthem. But see, and until we have to apologize for things that are dear to us, I had no part of slavery. I had no part of anything. I'll fully support you. I'll do whatever. But until we have to stop, stop apologizing for stupid shit, and maybe Drew Brees wasn't a good example. Maybe not. Okay. If you want to take, you know, just hear the example. I'm listening, man. I, like I said, I'm all about listening. I, I really want to know your perspective. When, and now this was when, supposed to be a 10 minute phone call to the listeners. Right. It's 30 and, and, minutes because go, this is the for, best conversation that we've had so right. far. And we can go for hours. And listen, all my yeah. friends that are probably listening to the podcast are Black Lives Matter supporters. So I want them to hear what you're saying and please explain it to us because I still don't fucking get it. I just don't sure. get it. I understand what you're saying that 
all right, Drew Brees can say whatever he wants, but that doesn't mean you should. And I think that's the disconnect because I'm just saying, yeah, I could, I could kill somebody. Don't mean I should kill somebody. Like, and you're saying these are fake apologies. I really think she meant that. Now, Drew Brees' first apology was written by a publicist where he had the fucking white and black hand on Instagram. That was a piece of shit. And that's why he had to do a second apology and the wife had to do it because the first one was so insincere. Now, I will say this. My wife's favorite city is New Orleans. Um, right before this happened, we booked a trip to New Orleans for a Saints game. Um, diehard Eagles fans go bird Super Bowl champions. Um... But we booked it for that because we fuck with New Orleans. We love that city. So I can't understand. And I guess it's the same point. Drew Brees is in New Orleans, a primarily black city. And you're from Atlanta, a primarily black city. And you guys have the same views. And it's just baffling to me. So <laughs> I don't even know what to say no more, bro. I'm doing another shot. <laughs> I don't know if you got a drink with you, but raise it to the sky, bro. And keep talking so I can down this and do my chaser. <laughs> there we go. Oh. My point I'm making, and like I said, maybe Drew Brees wasn't the best example. I, I I don't think it was a terrible example, but you feel differently. That's fine. No, I just don't think it was a Until good example. everything isn't racist, that's really not. But Until how, how can, can you speak that as a white American? How How can any white people, even myself, how can we determine what is racist? We're not the ones getting it. So how do okay, we determine? And that's why I'm saying we all have to listen. If you don't think we've gone way overboard with 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 social media and all this stuff, calling literally everything racist, everything. Fucking Paw Patrol is now racist, like I said earlier. Until that, that's why that's why stuff pushed back against from from. Some folks. So, it, look, let's cut this short. I think what you are saying is basically all lives matter and we all have to get our point across. I think that's what you're saying. And I'm just saying you're not wrong, but right now isn't the time for everybody else. Can you at least agree with me on that? And that just gets back to the overall point. Like what, what is fixing it? What, and that's what, what I fix- asked you. I don't know how to fix it. Like I said, all no, I'm, no. All what, I'm, all I'm what doing would, is trying. What, what, what would be fixed? Like the America, I like I said, I've I've been at seven in the morning. I've been at at my my black friend's house in Birmingham and arrested with standing with four black guys. I, I've been there for being the white guy. I fit the description: a white guy in a white truck. I had a silver SUV, so I fit the description. I've been there until. Hello. I lost the train of thought. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I hit the mute button so So, I can talk shit on you to my wife really quick. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I I actually hit the mute button, took my headphones down and said, are you listening to this? And my wife goes, you're live. You can't say that. And I said, I'm not doing it on a podcast. We're just having a conversation. But this is just so baffling to me. So you know what? Let's, well, let's... and that's the thing. Like, every, as a Trump supporter, I'm automatically racist. That, maybe that's a better example. No. Like, what has he... Trump done? What has he done that's racist? What? No one can answer that question. Oh, I can. Okay, um, do it. He called 
the rioters and everywhere in the world that were black thugs because the white people in Minnesota just concerned citizens. If you are, are all listen, the rioters black? Because the rioters I see on CNN are are more white than black. And that's because CNN leans to one side. Um, but they lean they lean to one side. I, I see just like I said, Fox thugs. News leans to one side. But I think I, I, I think we're always going to agree to, to disagree, and, and that's basically what it's always going to be. Um, we're going to agree to disagree, and I'm not going to sit here and argue with you because I promised you, I promised you, I would not be confrontational. Because I'm going to be real. Can we get a fucking shout out to James for being the only real motherfucker that's a Trump supporter that got the fuck on the mic with me, man? Can we get a round of applause for this fucking man? <laughs> None of y'all other fucking pussies would do it. Y'all all said, yeah, and ain't show the fuck up. James, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We needed this point of view because we don't get it. And we're still not going to get it, but at least we could hear your side. So my last question, I just want to thank you for coming in and giving your perspective. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right, so... um. <laughs> You don't, uh, hold on, I'm reading through your text to see. You said, is Donald Trump racist? Does being Republican mean you're a racist? Can you just answer those two questions and we can get the fuck out of here so I can go get my dick yeah. stuck, please? So, being a Republican to me means... So I know, my wife just gave me this look when I said, so I can go get my dick stuck, please. She about to fuck me <laughs> up, man. I didn't even catch that. I'm going to be the same. She just, so, oh my gosh, she so, just, I had to mute because she smacked me. <laughs> so, to me, I don't want the man in my life. That's, that's a Republican. I don't want the man telling me, you know, I got to pay 10% more taxes. Or the man is the police. So, what I don't understand is, like you, like you you're, you're Republican, but we have different views. But see, hold on. I am a Republican, but I also voted for Obama. I'm just a registered. I'm a registered. Now, hold on. I only only voted for Obama the first time. I thought he didn't do great. I I didn't understand. Yeah, listen, man, I didn't I I didn't agree with the second round. But see, just because I'm registered one way, you have to register. So I, I get it. But I always look who's the best candidate. Like, I voted for Bush. And that's what we should do. And you know what? I'm going to say this right now. Bush gets a bad fucking rap. How the fuck would you have handled goddamn 9-11 and fucking Katrina? No president ever would have handled that. None of them. And he tried. So I rocked with him a second time. It might have been stupid, but I rocked with him. I voted for Obama. But then I switched to Trump, as I told you, because I fucking hate Hillary. If Hillary died in a plane crash, I wish Hillary was died in a fucking helicopter crash instead of Kobe. Let's keep it real. 100%. Let's keep it real. Right, so, so you asked if I want to add anything. Yes, please, please add because we're way the, over our time the, slot, bro. The most biggest racism in America today is liberal white elites. Please expand. Period. Period. So they, they try so hard to not look racist. That they're racist. Uh, it, it's completely. I completely, illogical. completely, completely agree with you on that. It's completely a lot. And, and However, there's a good it, video. Is that how I you forget who me? made it? Hold on, wait. I don't mean to cut you off. And like I said, I'm sorry for cutting you off. That's one of my things. No, my did. friends tell me I do this shit all the time, and they get pissed off at me. But do you think I'm a white liberal racist? No. 
So what do you think I am? I think you're, uh, I, I really don't have a category for you, but you're not an elite liberal coastal white. You think, you think Nancy Pelosi fucking wants to kneel with Black Lives Matter? Fuck no. No. She's, she, she's, uh, damn, I can't even think of the word where you kiss an ass, but that's what she's doing. So no one asks the real questions, the real questions of what's going on. How many fucking jobs of inner city blacks has Nancy Pelosi cost shipping jobs overseas to fatten her paycheck? That's the fucking problem, in my opinion. We're not asking the right question. Listen, man, you I, know, I, I ain't even going to front. I'm so disgusted about this I forget who made it. Last thing. Okay. Uh, uh, like I said, go, I'm, I'm let, I do not agree with 99% of what you said here. However, I am going to let you speak and get your point out because... This is the only way we can change the fucking world. And I fucking hate that I have to listen to this. But I do understand whether you're on BLM side or ALM side. The only way to change shit is to do it together. So I have to hear your point. But you know what? I finally understand what it feels like to be y'all listening to the Black Lives Matter points. Because this shit is disgusting me listening to you talk right now. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying as someone who believes so heavily as I believe... That I can finally understand why the All Lives Matter people speak the other side. Because listening to you talk is like, wow. Um, and I needed this. So thank you so fucking much. So please, one last point. Do you have any points? Uh, go, go look for a video of... Damn, I can't think of his name. Ah, never mind. But they interviewed a bunch of Berkeley... Berkeley White. Yeah, because they're, about, they're about, but they're about super wine. rich. They're super rich. Yeah, them fucking Berkeley. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but they, they go interview them, and all they say is, "Black people, uh, voter ID laws are are racist because they might not have the internet, or they might not have transportation. They might not know where the DMV is. Yeah, but, uh, they're too see, poor to get an okay, ID. Okay, okay, okay. Let me then stop you. Let me stop hood. you, please, please, please. Let me stop you. You, I'm not disagreeing with that or the points, but the point is, what have they done to fix it? If you have exactly. all these motherfucking black people talking about we can't get to the election, okay, well maybe, to the polls, maybe you're gonna a, say, oh, a, take the bus, do this, do this, and do this. But when they wait in line, there's been a lot of cases where they can't even vote, man. James, I know you're not dumb. So, okay, before so, this gets so, confrontational, I love you to death, brother. Um, I want to thank you a thousand percent because we're never going to agree, but I do want you to understand this. The only way to change the world is to have these fucking conversations that me and you probably both hate. <laughs> so I love you to Maybe death. Maybe it's a race. Just don't vote Democrat 90%. They I, don't do shit for you. And that was my first point that they only show up. They only show yep. up in the hood when it's fucking election time. So I understand. Maybe, maybe that's how we fix it. And I understand what you're saying, bro. And I, like I said, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, Live and Let Live podcast. And James, you have no idea how this conversation could actually change the world, man. I actually think it will change the world. I think I might not even put another fucking guest on, bro. I might cancel all the other guests and just let them hear you because that's what the fuck they need to hear. We don't need to hear like-minded people. We need to hear other-minded people. And even though I disagree with 99% of what you're saying, I respect it. Hey, so, I, I might disagree with you too, but I'd go drink a beer with you. And I'd go drink a beer with bro, a BLM. I'm doing another BLM. shot right now. Hold on, you got a drink near you? Britt, fill my drink yes, up. Sir.
Brett, fill my shot glass up. Yeah, we're gonna do a shot together on air, man. Because you know what? Um, like I said, the only way to change shit. But do we both agree the world's fucked up? The country's fucked up. Everything's fucked up. Do we agree on that? Yeah. So the only way to change it is to have these fucking conversations that I want to put a bullet through your fucking head about. <laughs> and, and and that's the only way to change it, bro. Like, we, we, we have to do it. It's not nobody else. We have to do this shit, man. So it's up to I'm us. It's See, up to I, James. Saying, it's up to living. It's up to us, man. Yeah. So we as can, much as disagree I disagree with you, yeah, speak on it, bro. Speak on it. We can disagree and still and still love each other, and not be racist or not be not be whatever. I mean, that's 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 my whole point. And you know what? We can do that the second that all lives matter people stop being racist. But you know what? We're going to end this conversation here. <laughs> Raise your shot glass in the sky. And James, I want to do a salute to you for coming on here and being the only fucking man brave enough, because everybody else acted pussy and didn't want to fucking do. Oh, no, they're going to cancel me. I'm like, bro, you got your own business. What the fuck are they going to cancel you for? All the white people going to rock with you. Nah, I ain't doing it. So, listen, James, I'm raising my Eagles Super Bowl champion shot glass to you, bro. Listen. Fuck the Eagles. Shots up, baby. Let's go. Do your shot with me. Yes, sir. Mm. Damn, that peach crown is crazy. All right, look, bro, thank you for coming on. Um, I'll talk to you soon, and just thank you. All right, bud. Take All right. care. Stay safe, man. Peace. Jesus Christ. Now, listen. I respect his opinion. But what the fuck was the opinion? Like, I'm so happy he came on here and rocked with us. But Jesus Christ. Bro, we're going to get to the next guest, man. I'm dumb with this dumb shit. I need a break, man. Give me a shot, Brett. <laughs> My next guest is Eric Kraus. Um, I grew up with Eric. Eric is a white man, but he is married to a black woman. Um, she has a black child before they got married, and they have three together. Three interracial kids, one full black child, but, you know, the only father he's ever known has been Eric. So, E, thank you for uh, taking the time out. I know you're busy right now. I know you're, you know, out there doing what you have to do on the front lines, protecting people. Um, so quick questions. Um, when you talk to your children, do they listen like when you tell them how to talk to the police because you're a white man and, and they're, you know, black, but how can you really understand how they feel? Do they listen to you when you talk to them? Uh, first off, I want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. I know this is your inaugural episodes i want to wish you many blessings and good luck you've been my man since yay high thank you so i'm always going to be here to support you thank you i should have done a better way of introducing you i just know you're at work right now so i'm trying to get it but i really really appreciate that man i'm i'm hoping it blows up but if it doesn't you know hey at least we tried right absolutely absolutely that's what we do baby that's what we do so can't flop any worse than my albums (laughs) (laughs) don't don't i know that all right go ahead um, so to answer your question, a little bit of background for the listeners. My oldest son is now 22 and he's in the Navy. I was introduced to him when he was one and legally adopted him when he was five. We didn't have three children of our own with my beautiful wife. So that's where the four comes from. When I talk to them about the police, I have informed them and educated them from the worst on up. 
Yes, there are plenty of good cops out there, but there are ones that will look at them a little bit differently. They will look at my oldest son, who is full-blown African-American, way different than what they will uh, look at his younger brother and two younger sisters who are obviously multiracial. Um, I have raised my kids to have respect for adults in general throughout their life, but even more so for the cops because I don't want anything to happen to them. But I've been lucky enough that even though I grew up in the in a couple bad sections of Philly, that my kids have never really had to interact with the police where either me or their mother has not been involved, mostly traffic situations. But when you do have to have these talks, do, does it seem like they're paying 100% attention or does it look like they might roll their eyes or something because you are a white guy? But we, you, we you have these father. conversations. We have these conversations at dinner time. Uh, I think it's necessary that you have to have these conversations with children that were in school. So between school shootings and police shootings of unarmed black men that seem to be an all-time high, they absolutely pay attention to what I have to say. Okay. Uh, they know that my upbringing may be my skin color being white, but I've always been involved in, in black culture and accepted in black areas for whatever that is worth. So they don't look at me at that as just an outside white guy trying to help them. They look at me as their father, as someone that they trust. As Just like if I was giving them advice on how to navigate through a tough time in school or through coaching with football where my, where my youngest son plays, they, they take what I say to the head and they implement it in their everyday lives. I have also, you know, had to counsel a couple other young African-American kids who does, who, who does not get that guidance but they look up to me as being their coach. So I've had this discussion with a plethora of young kids growing up in not-so-nice neighborhoods where the police interaction is frequent. Now, allow me to apologize because I actually forgot that you do coach football um, in North Carolina, so I apologize for that. Um, But you grew up in Philly, and now you live in North Carolina. Can you explain the differences or the temperature on how you're perceived and looked at as a father of these interracial children? Do do they look at you different because you know it's kind of the South, or or do they? Well, look it at you... really it really depends on the area that I'm at. So if I'm deep in the heart of Charlotte, it's not much from being deep in the middle of Philly. It's more of an urban area, a little bit more accepted. Of course, you'll get weird looks from both sides of the fence, whether it be white people looking at me for having a black wife and having mixed kids or black people looking at me for having a black wife and having mixed kids. But it's a little bit more receptive. But being on some of the outskirts of Charlotte, where I have been in Concord, Mooresville, Huntersville, these are different counties outside of the city, definitely get a little bit more um, bravado from the white people to be more blatant with the eye rolls or the staring. But being where we're from, from Philly, you know, we address that straight up. So I have had a couple verbal confrontations with some people that I felt were looking a little bit too hard or too wrong. But it didn't go much further. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So you have two sons and two daughters. Is the conversation different when you speak to your girls versus your boys? The conversation is, is, is greatly different between the boys and girls, and then obviously even more intense for my oldest son compared to the three youngest ones because he is looked at different. Uh, I didn't make the rules up, but the fact that my youngest, my firstborn son and my two youngest daughters are light-skinned because they're mixed, they're given a little bit more leeway than what my oldest son, who was completely African-American, would get. 
who so is the, the intent, serving our country. The intent had to be a little, no, no, no problem. The intent had to be a little bit more rough with the boys because they would be judged more quickly by the police. Even though none of them have ever been in, in trouble with the law, my oldest son is now three years into his Navy career. The fact that I had to have separate talks with him to be more intensified because he did like to hang out with with a lot of white country kids here in the South that I had to let him know to always be on the lookout for any potential dangers wherever he's at. Now that has to make you a little sad. The fact that your oldest is out here fighting for the country, fighting for people's freedoms, and he's the one you have to have the worst conversation with just based on the color of his skin when he's out here fighting. Cause a lot of these, you know, all lives matters. Oh, the flag. They never fought for the flag a day in their lives. Like, if, you know, anybody who fights for the flag has a problem with kneeling, I'll listen to them and I'll try to get their point and everything. I mean, I don't understand it, but I'll listen. But you have all these people who are out here defending a flag and never fought for it. Meanwhile, your son is fighting for the country and he still has to have a different conversation than your other children just because his skin is darker. That has to have an emotional effect on you. It, it is frustrating that I that I feel that I have to pull him to the side anytime, you know, through high school before he went into the Navy. But anytime through high school when he was going out with his friends that I knew were all good kids, you know, they were, weren't really street kids. They were real nerdy gamer kids. All they wanted to do was go to the mall and get the new video game and, and play it on. But I had to have that talk with him. Like, hey, you know where you're going. You know where, what type of environment that you're at. You know what could possibly happen. You have your phone, call me as soon as you need. I had to have that talk way too many times with him than I did with my other kids just for the simple fact of the environment that we grew up in and just basically what he looked like. But all he wanted to do since he was in 11th grade was serve the country in the Navy, and that's, that's what he's doing. And you know what? Um, congratulations to him because it, that's something I couldn't do. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I don't know. I really don't understand how someone could fight for this country that isn't fighting for them but that takes a real man to put yourself in that position like you know what they're not fighting for me but i'm gonna fight for them so one day they will fight for me now yeah he he looks at it as he's trying to fight it from the inside and he's trying to change things from the inside he can do more work on the inside than possibly on the outside and in all fairness nothing else has worked so, like, right, yeah, like right, right. fighting from the outside, the inside, above it, below it, none of it's helped. Um, I think, I think it's changing now. I, I think this is is the, the 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 changing. And I think I read this morning. I was kind of half sleep. Um, my daughter just left for three weeks this morning to go to Philly, and boy, am I scared! First time she's been away. So I was like up all night mm-hmm. tracking her. And I think I read today that President Trump said. Kaepernick deserves a job or, or, or something like that. And it's just like maybe this country, were, I, I mean, I, I take everything he says with a grain of salt, but just the fact that even if he did say that TMZ reported it once again, I don't really believe them all the time, but just the fact that he would say that has to show that the mentality in this country, like even JJ Watt, somebody tweeted, I know JJ Watt won't kneel. And he responded, don't speak for me, number one. And number two, if you still think that this is about a flag, then you have no idea what the problem is. 
So for right. him to be on the inside fighting, I think is super dope, man. And next time you talk to him, tell him Uncle Kev loves him and thank you. I'm proud of him and um, everything else. So you, you told me that you've really never had to come to the defense of your kids because the only time they really interacted with the police have been on traffic violations and stuff like that, where, where you're in the car. Yeah, with when he's been in the car with me. Yep. Okay, well, that's got to be a positive, right? Um, <laughs> uh, it was, it, it's been a positive until I've seen their reaction. <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, you they, you know, they're, they're growing up in the social media age. So they're aware of everything that's happening. And they're aware how all these things usually start in basic traffic stops. So as funny as young kids, as teenagers, they get in the car and they're the ones that put their seatbelts on. They're the ones that tell me, Dad, make sure you buckle up. Dad, you, you, know, you might be going too fast. They're the ones that are being more protective of me as the parent because they're aware of these are the things that have, you know, kind of jump-started some of these unfortunate situations between police officers and unarmed black men. Right. Um, wow. That's, that's kind of heartbreaking to hear that your kids have to tell you, Dad, slow down, calm down, put the seatbelt on. Absolutely. That, that's, now, do you think that if you lived in Philly – they would do that still, or do you think the Philadelphia cops are more lenient because a lot Philadelphia cops are more um, racially diverse? Because obviously, if you grow up in Philly, it, it's a giant mixture. Whereas in North Carolina, I assume there's white pockets, black pockets, and that might be it. And you might have white officers patrolling black neighborhoods they're not used to. Where even in Philly, they Philly is Philly, like. Everywhere is not great. Even the white neighborhoods like Kensington is like the heroin capital of the world. Like, other than the far northeast Franklin Mills or Philadelphia Mills area, whatever that's called now, all the rest yeah. of it's pretty much the same. Um, you know, there's worse parts in South Philly than West Philly than there is in North Philly and South Philly, but it's all pretty much, you know, the same melting pot of people. Um, North Carolina, I assume, is not like that. But you've noticed, like, no difference between cops in either place because you've really had no interactions. Like, nobody harasses, you know, for no reason down there that you've seen, like, even friends of friends or anything like that? Well, I think my kids would react the same with if we were in Philly or, or down here. Just for some effect, like I said, social media is worldwide now. Right. So you can have, you know, there, there's been situations in Philly where cops have, have, have mistreated uh, people, there's places in rural towns in backwoods Georgia where they've been mistreated. You know, you got places like Minneapolis, LA, you know, all, all over the place. New York, you know, Eric Garner was right in the heart of New York. So I just think it's a police thing. Yeah. It's not a city, it's not a geographic location, it's just a police thing. And these kids, if you think about it, all their lives they grew up with cell phones. So yes. this has been ingrained in their head since they can remember. Now, and like you said, I think it is the beginning of a change because you're dealing with a generation that has forever seen it and seen it and seen it. You know, our generation and the one before us, they were really just tales of things being passed down because we didn't really see it. We all know it was happening, but we couldn't see it as frequently unless you actually knew the person. Right. That, like, that I, was I, don't, I don't know if it's gotten worse. Or it's just being reported more nah. because there's, nah, it's there's just no, it's just we're just seeing it. Yeah, we're just seeing it. Could you imagine? You know, could you imagine walking in the south in in the forties and fifties and sixties? No, that what it would be. 
it's 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 just as bad. It's horrible. We're just seeing it now because everyone has a phone in there. Could you imagine, honestly? Could you imagine if there was videotape of Emmett Till eighty years ago? Nah, I could I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine a lot of things that 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 black people go through. The crazy nah. thing is where we grew up in. We've been so. It's just been ingrained that people are people. You know what I'm saying? That we we accept. For people who they were, we we know good white people, we know bad white people, we know good black, we know bad black. We just an individual basis, right? But and we I, still can't. And I think me and you, like I remember skipping school with you. The first time I ever cut school was to go to your house <laughs> to watch Strapped with Fredro Starr and Bikine Woodbine on HBO that you taped. I remember sneaking up, you know. Oh, my mom's Absolutely. at work. Like we, yeah. that, that was always us. Like we were. Me, you, maybe a couple other white kids, but it was it was you know it was a very you know um, mixed neighborhood. We grew up and we Absolutely. we understood the plight of everybody. Everybody was in the same poor shit. Like it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like none of yeah. us was getting money. You know we we were yeah. all together and you made it out. You know you got to go to North Carolina and raise your family. And you know I know you're thinking about going back to Philly and. You know, I'm going to wish you well with whatever you choose. Are are you worried about going back to Philly with Corona going on and the and the spike? Because I know in your neighborhood in Carolina, it, it's it's much more stretched out, like mine is. Whereas Philly, it's more condensed. Might that scare you um, going back there with Corona? Because I'm terrified that I just sent Jazzy up there. I sent her with like 35 yeah. masks. I'm like, do not eat right. no restaurants. Whatever food you get, take it to go to your grandma's house. Like. So does that yeah, worry you? Yeah, I just think you? Yes, it be. I, uh, does it worry me? Not, not really. You know, we we live life how we choose to live it. Um, I'm, I try to stay up to date and current on all the the situations going on with the coronavirus, with the with the um, health concerns, health risks, health guidelines. Like I said, always taking a mask, always constantly washing your hands. Um, even though I'm I'm early forties, I, I and a little husky, I, I still am in in really good health conditions. So I feel like if I follow the guidelines, by like I'm on the front line now. I haven't missed a day. I'm what they consider an essential worker as I run as I run an office building in the in the heart of Charlotte. So I'm around people since this thing has brought out. But as long as you follow the guidelines, if I was supposed to do and don't do nothing extra, I think you'll be all right. You know, my 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 wife and two girls have been up there through through it the whole thing, and they've been safe. They haven't had a scare. They haven't had no issues. I've been in Philly a plethora of times since the turn of the year, and and you know I've, I've always followed the guidelines. So it's just just taking the information that you can and applying it to your life and living it smartly. Okay, okay, understand. I ain't going to no pizzas. I'm not going to no bars. You know, hop in, grab your food, like you said. Hop in, grab your food, go back home, and turn on the tube and and try to watch the Jordan Dock as many times as you can. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and honestly, um. You know, just because this, this whole podcast, like I said, it was the state of the culture, um, you know, not to steal that word, but it's just the state of the world, I guess, with Corona and, yeah. and the riots and everything going on. George Floyd, once again, rest in power. Um, yeah, it's this has really affected me, the, the whole Corona thing, because my kids had uh, two weeks before this happened of being home from spring break. So I'm on like week 21 like, and my kids are seven and five, so they're sending them home with schoolwork. Yeah, they're doing a computer, but don't know seven-year-old know how to use a desktop or a laptop. They use tablets. So, like, yeah. they're, they're trying to use my iMac. I got to teach them how to use that to teach them how to do a stupid two plus nine problem. 
And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's driving you crazy. <laughs> and for men, most of our escapes are what? Sports. Don't Sports. have that. Yeah. Can't even watch yeah. the sports shows. That takes up five hours of my day. At nighttime, I record all them ESPN shows, and I put them on at night, and I catch up on whatever I missed. I don't have that now. They took away yeah. my sports from me. Even movies. Yeah, I might not be able to go to the movies, but they're not even really releasing but one movie a week maybe on Netflix or Amazon. That's two hours yep. out of a 24-hour daytime seven. This has been very stressful for a lot of people. So this podcast, I thought, would be a way just for everybody to express what's going on. So, E, I would like to thank you for being, um, you know, one of my first guests on this and for taking the time out. I really appreciate it. Um, And thank you so much to the family. I love them. I miss them. And I'll talk to everybody soon, okay? No doubt. All right, one. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Eric Krause. All right, so we got my homie, Jay Pross the owner of the one and only Art History Clothing Store, Philadelphia's Mayfair section. It's the heart of Mayfair. It, it is the thing that keeps that area together. Jay, welcome to the show, brother. What's up, bro? How are you? Uh, man, I'm good, man. Happy to be talking to you, man. Um, So, look, I mean, I know a lot about you. I had my first record release party <laughs> at your store. Um, So why don't... Why don't you tell me and the listeners who don't know about you about your history? Uh, I guess uh, we can start with I've been making shirts for over 15 years. I started off making like rest in peace shirts. And then um, probably within the first year of me actually starting to make shirts, I worked for the company Between Originals. I did um, a bunch of celebrity shirts, music videos, and I'm sure they, um, the people listening have seen my shirts out there. They just didn't know it was me. And then eventually I started Art History, which was like over 10 years ago. Man, and I'll tell you what, um, Art art History, I remember um, I was at Stress's store passing stone in Bristol, and he referred to you when he just was hanging them up. He's like, oh, yeah, these are the Art History kids. And I saw the shirts, and I'm like, <laughs> ain't no kids make this, dog. This is some grown <laughs> right. shit. Um, but, you right. know, shout out to Stress, man. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, so you support – um, Black Lives Matter, but you support you know the movement, not so much the violence. Like I know, your your rioting is one thing, but you don't support violence against any citizen, and I completely understand that. But you also own a store that had to get boarded up, and for those who don't know, you know that that aren't from Philly, Jay's store is in the heart of where whenever a Philly team wins a championship, that's where the party's at. So his store is right. in the middle of that. So when the riots right. came, they were coming there. So even though you su- yep. you support the movement, how did it feel that like, damn, I support y'all and y'all might fuck my shit up? Like, how did that feel that you had to board your building up? I'll be honest with you. I just roll with the punches. It's not like I took it personal or anything like that. I just roll with the punches. I mean, the only time that we've ever had to board up our store like that before is when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And of course, I wasn't mad at that. You know, oh, so no. it's like... um Exactly. So it's like know. the protest, the protesting and looting that just went on recently. Like, um, as long as good change comes from it, I'm not mad at all. All right. That, that, well, that's actually amazing to hear because I know um, that your family member, I think your brother's a cop or, you know, I don't mean to put their business out there, but you have a family full of police officers. Do you feel like yeah. 
Um, are there a lot of arguments because you support BLM, but you don't support the violence? Like, do you feel like you always have to explain yourselves or do you have to keep your real opinion to yourselves or do they keep their opinion to yourself? Do you speak politics? Because this is a crazy angle. You're a business owner who supports the movement, but has a family full of people you don't want to get hurt. So this is a, a crazy, like, tornado. Do, do you ever, like, speak <laughs> to them about this? No, I'll be honest with you. It's like um, my family similar to me. We're just people that respect other people, no matter, you know, the color of your skin, whatever religion you are, race, ethnicity, whatever. Like, we treat you with respect. And um, my brother being a cop, I mean, there's people in the hood that came up to me and my brother and told me, like, yo, like, um, I mess with your brother. You know what I mean? Like, he's a good dude, blah, blah, all that. So they just know that he's out there doing his job. You know what I'm saying? So, like, um, okay. with us, um, me, and, me and my brother, like, I guess you could say we're considered, like, best friends in a way. Like, even though we don't, um, we're not always with each other. We don't talk every day. But, it's like, um, I, I'll be honest with you, regardless of my brother's clock in or clock out, I'll always have his back. I just know that he ain't out there making the wrong decision, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, n knowing your mother, um, you know, I know how y'all were raised, man. Um, shout out to Barb. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but, people love Barb. You know what I mean? That, that's, she, she, she's the heart of our history. Yo, she is, oh, man. man. Listen, every every single time that uh, me and my brother purchased something from you, and never once have we walked in your store and asked for a discount. And, and let me just speak to people that do that dumb shit. Y'all walk into Macy's and pay full price. Why can't you pay full price to your friend? Like, this man is right. working, and everybody, yo, let me get $20, you know, $10 off like a crackhead. No, listen, that's your man. You have no problem paying the shit to Jordan, to Yeezys, to all this other dumb shit. Don't ask for a $5 discount. But what Barb yeah. does every time I order or my brother orders, she leaves a personal note and sends a couple candies for the kids. And that, right. you know, and that's what separates you from the other people. Like other stores don't do that. I yeah. buy, I buy from other stores. I'm not going to name them. It's just a here's some stickers. Like <laughs> they just throw them in a the box. Right. Like it, it, yeah, yo, I'll crazy. be honest with you. With, with with all the craziness that's been going on in the world lately, like I've always seen our store as a store that always brings the gas. So it was like it didn't matter who you were. When Walk through the door to our history for your children with respect. Like my mom gives out hugs and kisses to everybody that like comes in the store. You know what I mean? Like I always take out time when I'm here that she's everybody's hand thank you for coming in and just ask everybody how they're doing and stuff like that. So it's, know, like, she... it's crazy to think that like at times there is cops in, in the store. And there are people that support Black Lives Matter that are in the store at the same exact time. And then before you know it, a conversation comes up where we're all just we're all just in there mingling, talking. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I only get the one history of the sort of like bridge the gap. You know? Yeah, and I actually think you're doing you know a fine job. Like so far, we've had like I said, uh, you know, we got a black football coach so far. We have a we had a a, a woman who started her company right like days before COVID hit. We had a Trump supporter on so far. We had a, a white father who was the father of four black children because he married a, a black woman. And now we have you. I want every aspect so we can have this conversation. And I want to end it with I want to end it with you because I remember the day of the riots um, in Philly when it was bad. Please. And I was following you on Twitter, man, and, and Facebook, whatever. And 
the, the steps you were going through trying to secure your store. Can you tell this story? Because I found this so fascinating and I want to end my show on a positive note for the first episode. <laughs> and I found this just so amazing that, that this happened. So please tell this story because I swear Disney couldn't have wrote this. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, people told me to do it up because a lot of the looting was happening in the retail shops, places that sell clothing and sneakers. And like you said in the beginning of the show, like my store is right down the street from Franklin and Cobbman, and that's like the biggest intersection in the Northeast where people go to celebrate, like the Eagles winning and stuff like that. So we were a target. Um, people were hitting me up to board up. So I posted up a picture of me standing in front of the store just saying, like, yo, I'm looking to board up my store. Can anybody help me? And within, like, 45 minutes, like, 15, 20 people were in front of my store. And, like, I had a Home Depot to grab some, like, plywood and some, some two-by-fours. And by the time I pulled up, everybody's just waiting to help. Yeah, and the funny thing about this is, like, it was just a mixed crowd of people. Like, <laughs> Yo, no, no, I right? saw the pictures. It was crazy. I just was like, when you were at Lowe's, they wouldn't let you buy the wood because they just, everybody out yeah, of the store. Right. Like, how did you even yeah, come across so the, the wood? Pause. <laughs> like, yeah, so what's it called? I was, I, was in, I was in line at Lowe's, and they came out. Because, you know, because of the uh, coronavirus, like, you stand in a line outside the store for 10, 15 minutes before they even let you in. So... The manager came out and said, we're closing down. Everybody got to go home, blah, blah, because they knew that the looting and the rioting was going to start, like, in the Northeast. And I actually ran up to her, like, yo, can you please just let me buy some um, plywood and some two-by-fours when I own a small business? And she said, no. So we actually drove right inside the city um, to Bucks County at the Home Depot out there. We grabbed some plywood and two-by-fours, and we pulled up to the store. And the funny the funny thing about that is when I got out the truck, I seen all these people willing to help, and I'm like, has anybody ever boarded at the store before? <laughs> there was, like, one guy that was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So I was like, oh, you're the foreman. You're, you're the boss. Like, you tell us all what you need us to do. You know what I mean? Yo, I remember when the... And then, like... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so, like, even the, even the other people there were like, yo, even though we're boarding up, you should just take all the inventory out just in case they, they could get the plywood down. So, we had an assembly line from outside to the out to, to the inside of the store to the outside where people were just like taking inventory out of my store and putting it back into my mobile store so they could take it away. That's, it was dope. You know, man, it was dope. Like everybody came together and helped out. It was dope. That's crazy. I remember my first hurricane down here, right? Everybody's boarded up and I'm like, man, I ain't doing this shit. And everybody's like, you got to do it. How can you not do this? I'm like, yo, what the fuck am I paying insurance for? I'm like, yo, right. if the if that roof flies away, I get a new house. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not doing all this extra stuff. And these people across the street were drilling holes into the walls. Like, now, obviously, you don't own that space. So, you know, you got to drill into some shit. That's not yours. I'm not drilling into my right. house. Like, you sign a lease. Right. that You can move your store after your lease is up. I'm not moving, so I'm not right. drilling holes into my house. So was it difficult to take down when you actually did take it down? And please tell me you kept it for next time. Like, you put it somewhere. Yeah, so what's it going I still have all the plywood. But, yeah, now I'm like, two of, my, two, of my, two of my close friends, like, came out and, and, and helped me out, take the boards down and stuff like that. We took the boards to my house, so we're good to go. But hopefully nothing like that happens again. Okay, did you have any damage? Was there any looting? Or, you know, you, like I said, you're like the heart of that neighborhood. So I assume nobody was going to mess with you, but it's always better safe than sorry. Was there any damage to nah, your store? nothing happened. Nothing happened. And, like, 
Yo, it's funny that you say that because when we first like took down the boards and everything like that, like one of my first customers was a black dude. And like he comes in and he asks me the same thing you're asking me, like, yo, you have no history for my man. He's like, yo, man, they better not mess with our history, sir. Like, this can represent Philly, this represents our neighborhood. Like, this is us. This is like our, this is us right here. I'm like, yeah, man. Like, we're, yeah, we're someone that like represents. You're the actual heart of that neighborhood. You started fashion shows. You've given out book bags. Like, I don't. You are one of the few people that I actually like spending my money with. I like buying your shit. I like supporting you. You have great stuff. Like I said, I just got that AI crossover shirt. And before we started recording, me and Jay were talking off camera. And my daughter, who I said earlier, just left today for three weeks to go to Philly. Um, My first time without her. Uh, You know, going to be a little anxious. But I, I handed her some money and she was like, is this enough to get a hoodie from the history of arts? I'm like, yeah, baby, it's fine. And, but she meant art history because even her at seven loves your stuff. The whole city loves your stuff, man. Please tell everybody where your store is at, your Twitter handle, everything else before you get out of here, man. And thank you so much for being the final guest on the first episode of the Live and Let Live podcast. So please plug whatever you want to plug. Yo, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, involving me with the first one. That's super dope. Always welcome. And um, for anybody looking, and for anybody looking to get some gear, uh, you can hit up the website arthistory101.com. And my store is located in Northeast Philadelphia at seventy forty five Frankfurt. Please, you know, just just check it out, man. If you order one time, I tell everybody this: like you order one time, most likely you're going to be a return customer. Because we do a great product, you're gonna be happy with the customer service, and we we love what we do when it shows. Yeah, but so Jay, please Jay, give us a shot. You know, just give us a shot. Tell Check us out. Um, tell them Twitter, what, Instagram, artists. I'm sorry, really quick, really little. quick. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm still gonna let you plug that. But tell them what athletes rock your shit. Like it's not just normal folk like me and you. It's Alshon Jeffrey has our history. Like tell them. Yeah, we had Alshon Jeffrey. We had Deshaun Jackson wearing our stuff. We had Bryce Harper wearing our stuff. We had Carter Hart rocking ourselves and of this also like all the top athletes in the city. Yeah, they all rock you know, with our history. history. Plug like, that Twitter one last time, yeah. please, sir. Twitter and phone number. Let's our, go. Everything, everything is at our history 101. Check us out, please. All right, Jay, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. Stay blessed, and I'll talk to you soon. And my brother, actually, he should be arriving in Philly when this podcast is out already, but it would be that same day. He said, my first stop's art history. So, Salute, man. I'll tell him to say what's up. That's what's up, man. I appreciate you and your family, bro. Thank you. Oh, no, I appreciate you. Stay blessed, homie. All right. Peace. So there it is. That was Jay Pross, owner of Art History, with a great interview and a great aspect as normal. He's a good dude, man. He's been around for years. My first record release party was at a store in Roxborough or Maniunk. <laughs> but, um... Listen, I want to thank all of y'all for rocking out with me. Um, this is the first episode of the Live and Let Live podcast. I want to thank all my guests for coming out for the episode, man. I, I know it's hard to organize phone time sometimes when you're busy. So I want to thank Barry, Christine, James, Eric, Jay, everybody. I want to thank the listeners, man. Listen, and any feedback, hit me up, living215 at living215 on twitter at living215 on instagram at live films on instagram please hit me up give me the feedback i appreciate it and god willing we can do this some more 
talk about life every week, man. I, I'm really excited for what I got in store for these other episodes I got planned. Um, I love y'all to death. Thank you so much. And remember, man, the only way to survive in this world is to live and let live. One.